Piggy? Hey, boomers, it's time for another episode of your favorite fortnightly online guide to the Sega-sational world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic. I'm like a robot when I read this out at this point. I need to vary it up a little bit, but I'll do that next time. In the next episode of Sonic the Comic, the podcast, we, as always, are your humans who think we're in charge. My name is Chris McFeely. My name is Dave Bulmer, slightly addled because I've had a COVID jab and I'm an idiot. These two things are not necessarily related. No, 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 not related. And we've got a lovely episode of this. It's a good one. It's the summer. We're all warm. Might have to open the window in a minute. That's it. Yeah. This is issue number 82, cover dated July 19th, released July 10th. July 10th. It's the summer now. And the summer means the lawnmowers are going outside. I don't know if you can Mm. hear that, but it's happening. Windows may have to be (laughs) opened and it's only going to get worse from here. Hey, it's Sonic. There's a cover that's quite nice. It's all blue. It's Sonic Tails and Knuckles. I said it's quite nice. It's not. It's boring. Uh... I, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I don't know adult this week. I mean, it's not a bad one. It's no. nice to have a cover that has Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles all on it together. That's nice. That's nice, and it's sort of exciting in a way. It does feel like a cover purposefully drawn to illustrate the content of the comic, where we have True. Sonic, Sonic's world, and a new Knuckles strip, and a new Tails strip. Yes, it's just that that should be the content of every issue of Sonic the Comic, well, shouldn't yeah, it? Sonic, hence, Tails, and Knuckles. Henceforth, it basically is. Yeah, I mean, the, except for the times Amy's going to get a Oh, that's right. That how far away that is. Hmm. I'm amazed it hasn't started. No, I kind of feel like it feels like the future still, you know? <laughs> All right, well, we'll see then. What's going on with Sonic's crutch in this one? Oh, uh, yeah, there's a little tear, isn't there? There's a little tear, a little flap of paper folded over. Is Carl doing his cutout figures and pasting them onto his airbrushed background again, and something's got yeah. folded or bent? But what's interesting is that he's not covered the crotch under it, so it makes it... I wonder if, like... Could it be that he that part of his airbrush effect involves like cutting parts of the characters out? Is that entirely? Oh my like? god, that's what it is. That's what yeah. it is, isn't it? That's the little triangle, the little curving piece of paper that of blue that's supposed to come up that's over the bottom of his belly. Yeah. Oh, they're all made up out of little different pieces. God, that's interesting. That isn't is it? really interesting, actually. That that answers a lot <laughs> of questions about sad how old dorks like us. But yeah. yeah, like like how do you do the spray paint effect that goes neatly round the circle of Sonic's head into his spine? That's how it's cut out. I would have thought it it's was man skin tape, but it must be. I mean, he cuts out the individual bits of the body. I, I imagine it's all sorts of different ways. I mean, I would say that leg looks a bit more cut out than you would normally expect because mm. look, the outline of it is quite thin. But yeah, it'll be cut. How interesting. Perhaps one day we'll find out. But it's only quite a little Sonic Tails and Knuckles in comparison to the entirety of the page. Yeah. So it's it really just looks like a big blue sheet of paper. Really. But, you know, if there's one colour that Sonic the I Comics mean, should be yeah. in it, you know? Two new stories. Tails, Knuckles. That's all I need. Sonic's World, Dr. Robotnik versus Brutus. Wow, yes, please. Now, I would have liked that for the cover. A proper, you know... Yes. One on one matchup. <gasps> Duke's up. Oh, imagine. Yeah. Vector Man Q Zone, Euro 96, and World <laughs> Cup golf reviews. I know you're Hooray. feeling a little drowsy, Dave, but do try to keep <laughs> with wait. us as we work towards that. <laughs> and a Chewitz compo where we can win oh. Casio Pocket TVs. What do these two yeah. things have to do with one another? Perhaps we'll find out inside. <laughs> Stay tuned. Control Zone. Nice cheerful control zone from Megadroid this week. He says, My batteries are overheating in this weather, so I'm planning to get away to recharge my energy levels. But before I do, say hello to two brand new STC stories. It's Knuckles and Tails. 
and we bid farewell to two stories, hankies at the ready, as if yes, as if Sonic was going anywhere, <laughs> you know, or as if we're supposed to be sad to see a story end. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Well, it's different if this is a year ago and a story yeah. ending means the characters means that's are leaving it. the comic. You know, yeah. I don't have to have my hanky at the ready because Running Wild's ending. There's going to be plenty no. of Sonic to come, you know? No, although, I mean, look, like, yeah, in retrospect, that's one of the best stories that, that I ever enjoyed, so... Well, yes, there is that. It's one of my favourite SCC Sonic stories ever, so yeah, okay, it is hankies at the ready, but... Yeah, um, hankies at the ready... Also, this opening made me initially think back to, like, the times when... Do you remember there were weird times when Megadroid said, like, I've been recharging my batteries yeah, and like yeah. this and that. And we were like, what's happened here? Has someone from editorial gone on holiday? Is that, is that what this <laughs> yeah. is? Yeah. Did somebody break about? their leg and get laid up that week or whatever? But no spoilers yet, but they lean yes, no, so heavily actually, into this. They're doing something <laughs> with it this time because he, he ends his, uh, his control zone box by saying, uh, your artistic offerings in the graphic zone have really got me in the mood for getting away. A fortnight mm. free from the humes who think they're in charge. Now that the hot weather's here, they're all wearing shorts. Not a pretty sight. Let me tell you, came downstairs this morning and my own father was wearing shorts, so I had a, had a similar sort of thing going on at the same time as I sat down to read this. Oh, that's standard, standard for my dad. I barely see him without shorts as normal. <laughs> Dead of winter, he'll wear shorts. That's abnormal behaviour for the British. <laughs> but it is, it, I tell you, I did have a great, it's Saturday, you know, we record these on Saturdays. Which, uh, I mean, obviously the comic doesn't come out on Saturdays anymore. It's ruined. Childhood ruined forever. But this issue, <laughs> sitting down on a... It's a lovely day out, clear sky, mm. sun splitting the bricks. Mm. And as I sat down to read on Saturday morning the newest issue of Sonic the Comic with Supersonic tearing <laughs> it up. I d- it was one of the issues where, yeah, mm. I got I got that vibe of, of when yeah. it was 25 years ago and everything was all right. Yeah. It's a such a while. summery comic, Sonic the Comic. That's mm. when that's where it lives because it started in May. So it, we, you know, we think of it as a summer thing, and it's always at its best when it's summer. Because you know why? She's not at school. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter if it's Saturday. You just not being at school, not having been at school for a while. That's the best time to be reading an STC. It's a funny thing, right? Saturdays in the summer mm. are like Saturday times yeah. 10 aren't yeah. they because yeah, even yeah, though yeah. it's the same as every other day we you don't go to school mm. and nothing going on mm. at all no no responsibility no nothing mm. it's saturday yeah and the world is your own yeah on a yeah, saturday yeah. summer holiday do you remember that it's got to be something to do with the fact that the really good saturday morning stuff is still on so there's there's still that. There's still like, oh, it's Saturday morning. Never mind that all the days are the same. You've still got that little cornerstone in the week where you're like, oh, it matters what day it is today. I'm watching me going live. I'm watching me live and mm-hmm. kicking, whatever it is. And now we stay in on Saturdays and record podcasts for three hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would love to be out today. <laughs> it's a lovely day <laughs> I know. out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but don't worry, Boomers, Megadroid says. I'll be back in time for issue 80 number three. Wish me bon voyage. Will do. Prize alert. Oh, yes, here we it's go. Time this is what I have begun. been powering on about. The sublime to the ridiculous. Let's go. What do we got? Hug tags. Haven't I been saying that phrase, listeners, since, since the issue whole series number began? One. Yes. I just wanted these so badly and here they are and now i'm looking at them i'm like well i don't know what to do with them <laughs> no you just wear them around your neck in it you don't know when you when you die they can identify you as a sega fan as sonic and knuckles yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Hog tags. Everything must chain boomers, which is why from STC 83 Speedlines winners winners will receive an exclusive Sega Mega hog tag. A real chain in the neck grown for snap happy boomers, no doubt. Snap happy boomers. Yeah, I don't know the, what you're talking about. It's, it's, it's not the photo zone. No, but you, you remember you have. But it's like I feel like the hog tags were one of the most memorable things that mm. the letters page ever gave away even Hell though yeah. i wasn't buying the comic at this point it's yeah. like water fun game hog tags Mm-mm. he's he's with his hand in the oh, air he's indicating hands. where yes. they are in the scale <laughs> water fun game up here hog tags right afterwards and you know what i have no memory of what's even been given away in speedlines since the water fun game stopped the stationary uh-huh. sets. I just remembered. There you go. Yeah, yeah. But they, but then they ran out of those and they've just been given away the cameras that they had reserved for the photo zone instead. That's it. It's those cameras. Yeah, yeah. I guess, and that's probably what the snap happy line is accidentally oh. left over from or something. Oh God, mate. He maybe yeah maybe. Anyway, what they are, you know, dog tags. Yeah. Right? You know the you know dog tags, little metal rectangles that soldiers wear so that when they're our bodies are found they can identify them well it's like that except there's two and on one of them it's the sega logo and on the other one it's the sonic and knuckles logo stamped embossed into a piece of metal it's so cool i love that logo so much i always wanted one of these but i tell you what i've noticed i i've always thought of this and you alluded to it a minute ago as something you wear around your neck looking at it now it's barely big enough to get around a wrist Look how small that chain is. Oh, that's true, actually. Look at the chain there. But they've called it a chain in the neck. So in the neck? It's... Maybe that's where I got the idea from in the yeah. first place, because I didn't know about dog tags. No, no, well, <laughs> I'm sure you... Well, who knows? Well, sure, I'm sure you've seen them on films and television. I don't know that I had, oh, though, because that... You didn't watch those violent films with war in, like Rambo and that. Yeah. They're just blokes. <laughs> They're just normal just men. Normal blokes. <laughs> oh no, this isn't going to come out till July. That meme is going to be dead by then. <laughs> anyway, that's what they are. Um, I really want them. If anyone's got one, give it to me. <laughs> I've never found one on eBay ever. It does say they're exclusive, so. Maybe yeah. this was the only place they oh, could yeah. be got, you know, if they don't show up on eBay very often, if ever. Yeah, the only reason I would ever think they would be able to appear on eBay is if someone who won them out of STC is like, well, I want this, and sells it. And, and that's never happened. Why so. on God's earth would anybody ever do that? Uh, exactly. <laughs> They're the sublime, though. The ridiculous is the other option here. Crayola change. Crafty Crayola have offered a change of prize from STC83. This is the new prize for the graphic zone, which has been... Yeah. Or it's the color changers we've had in the graphic zone up till now. The pens where you write and then you come with a magic pen and you write over the top of what you've drawn already and it changes color. Mm-hmm. Now they're offering mini stampers, which were just useless and rubbish. <laughs> Do you ever have any? No, they... they uh, did you? I mean, yes. And what they are is Crayola felt tip pens, pens. And instead of being able to write with them, they're like ink stamps. Yeah. They don't have a nib. They have a stamp in the end of them. So they make tiny little pen nib-sized circular stamps of moons and yeah. stars and things. Yeah, look, looking at the box here, there's little ghosts, there's little flowers, little suns. I've got to say, the ghost one in particular made me think I would quite like this pen. But my, my thinking, 
is dependent on it also being possible to use it as a pen. Is it that is not the case? It is not possible to also use what? it as a pen. I had to rem- I, I had to go and look up mini stampers just to be safe and, and remind myself that they didn't maybe have like a revert. The other end wasn't a working oh, yeah, pen. Yeah, yeah. No, they were just stamps. Well, I just thought that you would use, you know, kind of the side of the nib for some colouring on it. I mean, you could, sure, you could try, but yeah. the, you, that's not... Well, something about the way that it describes them here. Uh, Crafty Crowler have offered a change of prize from SCC-83. Mini Stampers 2. Because this is the second range of them. Because you have to remember, there are only so many... Hmm. You only get whatever, like half a dozen or eight designs. So this is the second yeah, okay. design of them they've come out with. Okay. Uh, Mini Stampers 2 combined the colour of a traditional... The, this is what I was thinking of. Combined the colour of a traditional colouring pen. And I must have thought the colouring, the mm. ability to colour. Mm. But with the addition of fancy-shaped Mini Stamp nibs. Yeah... The ghost one, I can see the... the why not? Why has it got to be a pen, though, in that case? Just give us a little stamp. This is it. I mean, it's an ink res. It's the idea is that the ink uh, is within it. You know, instead of yeah. being an ink pad, you stamp into. I mean, I... Well, give us a big the, stamp, then. Give us a big, thick pen, like one of those markers. And a big stamp. Different Ugh. colours now, though, you know. Listen, I understand the thought process behind them. They had to be a complement to your art supplies. You could not create art with them. Yeah. I mean, we've seen plenty of pictures sent into the graphic zone where kids would probably have loved to have mini stampers to fill the background with swirls and stars and squiggles. Yeah. Um, well, yes, yeah, except now you've owned these. So tell me if I'm right in my thinking here. If I had these, to use one would be like... If I was doing keyhole surgery on someone, <laughs> I would have to move so slowly and so carefully towards the paper. No, you just stamp it down. No, that's the thing. If I just stamp it down, what I'm getting is a smudge. Well, They're so small and fine. Down. You just put, you just press it down. It's straightforward. No, still, if I'm touching a pen on a paper without it wiggling even in the slightest, because I'm trying to make a little ghost. Just stamp the pen, Dave. Jesus, stop making it sound more complicated than it is. These were the least complicated, least adaptable Crayola product going. Just stamp the pen. So what you're telling me then is that it isn't complicated. Because just to, just to like imagine them, I'm imagining it's incredibly hard to get this right and that I'm going to smudge and smear them all the time. But they, they basically work. Yeah, they worked, as far as I remember. Okay. Just not at anything. Yeah, just, not, just they worked at what they were designed to do, which was mm. not much. So anyway, who knows? We'll see if the graphic zone is hit with an influx of new art created with mini stampers as we go forward. <laughs> yes. There may very well have been pieces printed in the comic created with them already. A couple of pictures as well. Yep, there's one which is Tails. It's a good drawing yes. of Tails by someone who can draw. And what they've done with Tails is they've made him an artist. Oh, uh, wait, 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 wait. Cannot go without pointing out that the background is peppered with speckles, some of which are tiny little spirals. They are, you know, they look stamped. They do a bit, yeah. Mm, those are stamped, I think. Yes, oh, and look, some of them are paw prints. That's a stamp. In- oh, that's yeah, a stamp. That's a stamp. Gotta be stamps. Maybe that's what some of those little squiggles and things oh, in the background God. we've seen in the past were created with. Just never occurred to me until because this is Mini Stampers two, Mini Stampers V one point has obviously been around for a while. That would explain our whole question about why everything has the same little swirls in the background. But they every time every time we've really zeroed in to examine those, they've been hand drawn and different. I know every they time. have. Yeah. So, yeah, it won't be that then. Unless there's an influx of kids going, Mum, 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 I want my drawings to have little swirls on them. And all the mums going, 
Then draw little swirls on them. You f- idiot. I don't have to buy you a five pound pack of pens. <laughs> the Shots. It turns out Brian Lara Cricket did get in at number one. We made that little presumptive statement last issue, didn't we? Did we? We were like, oh, Brian Lara Cricket, yeah, no wonder it topped the charts. And then we checked the charts and it actually wasn't on them. But here it is, new (laughs) number one. So it just shows any old shite could have been number one in the charts (laughs) in the Mega Drive in 1996, doesn't it? In the UK, anyway. But Brian Lara Cricket wasn't cracking the top ten in the US. Oh, well. Tell you what, though, Toy Story above FIFA. That's true. Also, Panzer Dragoon 2 at the top of the Saturn chart. That that fills me with a sort of ennui I can't accurately describe. (laughs) To know that the Saturn is already somehow old enough that Panzer Dragoon 2 is out. No, it's it's not ennui. It's it's on the Saturn. (laughs) It's not ennui, because that's a different No, see, you know... you no, you don't stop while, talking. Um, well, no, you're ruining the. Invented. You're ruining. Running Wild Part Three, written by Nigel Kitching and Richard Elson. Oh, written by Nigel Kitching and Richard Elson. Has that, has that been the case? No, just now? this no. part. Huh. Art by Richard Elson. Letters by Ellie Deville. Having tricked Supersonic into thinking he destroyed them by using the Kinterbore computer to remote control the biplane Sonic shot down, the Freedom Fighters concoct a plan to restore their friend to normal. Tracking Supersonic to the Metropolis Zone, they use a star post to leech off the excess Chaos Emerald power in his body and beam it into the Special Zone. Sonic is saved. But it seems possible that Supersonic may now exist as his own separate being. Dun, dun, dun. Whoa! This, this issue <laughs> did a number on me. I remember taking this totally seriously. <laughs> I remember thinking that I'm reading grown-up comics now. I remember that threat at the oh. end of it all, the possibility that this had happened. I was yeah. like, holy crap because again and i'll say it was, yeah, mm-hmm. i was reading the comic in the shop at this point i wasn't yeah, buying yeah. it but i was still paying attention when i saw supersonic was back mm-hmm. i was like well i gotta check out what's going on with this mm-hmm. on the way home from school on wednesday it was like pop into long supermarket and just have a quick peruse of the sonic strip in the new issue you know the opening scene is such rubbish though <laughs> right do you think so because i think it's great i genuinely do yeah no I, no i like the <laughs> conceit of it uh-huh. Where what we've got is Sonic disguising himself in a big baggy robe, so we don't even know it's Sonic in the first yeah. couple of panels. He's sitting at the uh, grimy bar in a Metropolis Zone Dive. den of iniquity yeah. called Spike's Place. And he hears some thugs, including one of those lovely, nasty Richard Elson rat-looking yeah. guys that you see whenever Richard Elson really wants to draw a nasty, weaselly kind of guy. <laughs> Do you remember in Project Brutus there was one of those guys? And that's what makes up a lot of Captain yeah. Plunder's pirate crew Captain as Plunder, well. yeah. Whenever Richard Elson draws underworld types, he draws <laughs> rats. Uh, and they're they're laughing about how they've heard that Sonic killed his own gang, and Sonic sipping a can of cola through a straw at a bar. <laughs> Real tough guy. Oh, look at that! Look at the robotic face on the beer pump on the bar. Oh, wow! Yes, dictators. It says on the, uh, <laughs> on the that's what they've got on tap. I don't know <laughs> enough about beer. Is that a joke no, about same, a beer? I don't know yeah. it either. Just uh, it's got to be a reference. Is, to is there? A, there'll be a beer called Kings, won't there? Something like gotta that. be. 
And these guys are laughing about it anyway. And Sonic says, yeah, real funny. And then they take the hump with him. You talking to me, stranger? And they whip the hood off him and it turns out it's Sonic, you know? And, um... Well, Sonic's response is to say, I, I ain't looking for trouble. I mean, mm -hmm. they're, they're being very purposefully pastiche here with this whole scene of like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, to say I ain't looking for trouble, like mm -hmm. a guy who's just walked into an old West saloon. But then as everybody surrounds him and he, he does a probably the most Hulk-like yes. Bruce Banner style yeah. stress transforms me type situation yep. yet. But Sonic is so, listen. Pretend for a minute I'm 13 again. Okay. And I'm complaining to you now about how much of a weed Sonic comes across as here. Okay. Keep back, please. I mustn't... I mustn't get upset. This is the actual dialogue he comes out of. And then he says, no, it's too late. The stress is making me change. And I'm like, no, no. This, something about this is just not hitting the mark. The conceit of the scene is fine. It's really the dialogue is just what's not hitting the mark. Okay, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give listeners the alternative view to this because I thought this was amazing, and the reason being, <laughs> well, the reason being that so the last thing that's happened and the thing that we've been like ripping our balls off for the last two weeks to find out the conclusion to is the death of Amy Rose. Colorful euphemism. Yeah. <laughs> and you were expecting some kind of turnaround, some kind of like, oh no, actually it's okay because X Y Z, and instead. You got what felt, at age 14, to me, to little innocent me, as like a switch into just an adult genre of story. We don't even find out. What we, well, we do find out. We find out that now we just cut to this awful dive bar. Everything is seedy and gross and there's smoke in the air and there's sick on the counter and there's... Like... Oh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's all done in purples and greens, you know, yeah. the colour of evil. And yeah. there's green fumes in the air. And, yeah, it looks like sick on the bar. It's yeah. green ooze dripping off the bar the turtles have been through. And, yes, what Sonic is drinking is a cola, but, like, even I knew the language of this. What's happened yeah. here is, this is a while later... He did not find his friends alive. They've died. He's... Obviously, they haven't. You turn the page there. They are. But they've died. He has gone underground. He's just given up. Sonic the Hedgehog. This is what finished him off. He's given up. He's in a depression. He's just in this place. But also, he has to stay out of trouble. He has to... He can't fight badniks anymore. Nothing. Because as soon as anyone shows him any aggression, he's like... No, no, it's happening. It's happening to me again. And then he starts killing everyone around him again. This is the coolest thing I've seen in ages. I've, it's interesting to me that we've got these two completely alternate approaches to this. No, no, I mean, I agree with that as a statement. The uh -huh. conceit of it's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's the it's the fact that he goes, oh, the stress is making me... Ch Listen, if you're calm enough mm -hmm. to say that, just calm down. Try being calmer it has to be the single most enraging thing anyone could say. <laughs> yeah. Well, someone recently said to me, I'm sorry that you made yourself angry. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, oh my God. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess the way my... The dialogue is specifically what's not landing for me here, and I think that pulls me out of what's going on around it. I think the way my brain is interpreting this is, like, as I read this scene, even with the dialogue, I'm seeing it as, like, um, you know, Ang Lee's Hulk, where he's like, Get away! Oh, get out of my way! Because he 
because he can't. There's nothing he can do. He can't get out of the room in time. Yeah, but it's like, but the visuals are showing a big, wide-eyed Sonic covering his face with his hands. I guess. It, yeah. But the other thing as well is that I've already learned, and actually, this is quite interesting. Do you remember we had Guy and Cat on the other couple of issues ago, and they were talking about Tails narrating the whole story to himself, mm-hmm. and I hadn't noticed that, and it was a big thing that Guy was laughing at, and I hadn't noticed it because. That's just comics language to me. So Sonic... Yeah, it's pretty straightforward, yeah. So, like, I don't... Now that you bring this up, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right there. But I hadn't even seen it as dialogue. It's just the comic explaining what's happening. Do you know what I mean? That's just the, the way that that idea is delivered to the reader. So him saying, like, no, it's too late. Get away from me. I just sort of read as, like... So readers, it could have been done in a caption. You know, it's too well, late it and they should get away. It more effective if it had been. Yeah, yeah, perhaps it would. Yeah. Um, but they don't really do that in STC, so I guess that was just no, that was just nothing while, to me. That was know, just but, but uh... yeah. So I guess I just didn't notice that dialogue at all and just like skipped over it. And then, it doesn't matter though because like once that's out of the way, it's like five straight pages of absolute bang and moment after moment. Like you know, Sonic saying it, uh, stress making me change, and one of uh-huh. these goons is like, "How about that, Sonic scared?" <laughs> <laughs> and Sonic's like, "I'm scared, all right." Scared of what I might do to you, but now it's too late. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. That's how I've been yeah, reading. That's this all right. Page. I'm scared. Scared of what I'll do to yeah. you. That's all right. That's that's good Hulk stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Get me on with that. Yeah. And then feel my power, you pitiful fools. And he's speeding around the room, blowing everything up. Um. And then the next thing that happens, it cuts to the the Freedom Team going along, and Amy Rose is standing there. And just the fact that Rich has drawn her hair whipping around mm. makes that moment so dramatic. Something about this issue feels like they've realised that the and and this goes for last issue as well. But I don't know something about the fact that an, even a non-supersonic scene has that hair whipping, which is such a yeah, simple yeah. thing. It feels like they've gone. Oh, I tell you what, the kids who started reading this comic when it started, they're like twelve, thirteen, fourteen now. And they're just starting to write for us. The comics aged up. It just feels really grown up and serious at this point to me. And I love it. <laughs> I was so excited by this. That's the thing. It's just a, a nice little bit of like environmental yeah. scene setting. Like, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. The fact that it's supersonic in the very blustery day doesn't <laughs> mean anything. You know, it, it's not like that recent one. What one was it? The one where Porker leaves, where the Metropolis Zone was just after a rainstorm. You could tell yeah. from all the, the water, the rain puddles mm-hmm. were important for how Porker electric. No, it's just windy because it's dark and dramatic. It just looks good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. This is a dark and dra- this is a dark and dramatic SDC story. Presumably the most they ever did. I don't think it goes darker and more dramatic than this. I feel like that's probably right. Yeah. And it this there's no surprise to me that it's this and the Sonic and Knuckles stuff. These are the ones. You know what I mean? Mm. These are the ones people have remembered that have defined the comic for better or worse internationally. Dark and gritty. I don't know how they got away with selling this to kids. <laughs> Supersonic is a demon killer. <laughs> well, what they're doing is they're tracking Supersonic. They've got that suitcase thing that opens up and Kinterbor's in it. And they're tracking him for, you know, the only reason of just seeing if they can, I don't know, help, stop him, make sure it isn't happening anymore. Well, they have a plan. Yeah. Because Johnny and Tails, nice to see Tails with the team. Yes. He's so rarely there, but he is with them in, the, in Running Wild. They're pulling something on a cart. 
mm. behind them and we do it's, it's covered in a tarp so we don't see what it is just yet yeah they keep talking here about the emerald power that sonic has absorbed yes. and everything and it reminds me actually megadroid made the point in the control zone sonic has absorbed so much emerald power he's no longer in control of his actions so yeah that does seem to answer the question that i've sort of been asking in the last two parts of this is did Kitching genuinely intend for this to be a case of where Sonic became overloaded yeah. by being exposed to all seven of the fully powered up emeralds yeah. turned into a more berserk than ever supersonic story and yes apparently that yeah. was the intention so as they're tracking him they notice on their scanner that the energy is spiking which implies that he's turned back into supersonic again and yeah he blasts out of the bar he's in Spike's place and sees them, and of course, and he just sort of hangs in the air. That there's something cool about that—the fact that Supersonic can yeah, fly. I was stuck. I was watching that, and I was uh-huh. like, I, I don't know that the comic has ever 100% necessarily committed to the idea that he can just fly yeah. before. Because any time I can think back on that, any time we've ever seen him in the air, it's as if he'd done like a super a speed big leap or something yeah. but here no he can fly and as we know you know that's fine that is yeah. you know per current game lore at least certainly now yeah something supersonic can do yes but back then not yet he was just faster sonic not in, the in game, games yeah. yeah he was just fast yeah. and we see such a cool shot of the, beh- the, the behind of him of the back of him here where rich draws like this weird lightning spikes on him <clears> and oh he looks so cool Oh, in Sonic 2 the game, that final image is kind of supersonic flying, isn't it? Possibly. Oh, yeah, well, as they go down... well, as Do you know they, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It might be he's, or it might not be. He's below the plane and they could just be... Is he flying? Does he come he back up? with in, style? Yeah, exactly, because there's like three frames, isn't there? And does he get mm. any higher during them or not? I don't know. So they pull this tarpaulin thing upright. I think when I was reading it, both as a kid and, and now, really, the initial appearance of it, it doesn't really make me ask questions about what's under there because their caravan, their plane, we've seen that they put these tarps over stuff. So I'm like, oh, I guess yeah. some of it wasn't destroyed or whatever. But no, they whip the cover up as supersonic attacks with Amy giving the orders, by the way, very much in charge. Oh, God, this whole bit, this whole <laughs> bit, the our heart. Oh, look at that panel at the top of page five where supersonic speed contrail, like his slipstream, is bursting out of the panel borders. He's so fast, he's zooming (laughs) into, out of, and back into the panel again as he does a beautiful dramatic arc around the starpost, chasing Tails, who's distracting him, while Amy in the foreground with the big dramatic aiming her crossbow back and up from a yeah. low angle up at the starpost as she's hooked into... It's a it's a great like Tails distracts Supersonic while Amy uses her crossbow to attach Kintabor to the starpost mm. and Johnny, God love him, he's there. <laughs> and that slipstream contrail is on fire. <laughs> what a fantastic bit of art just like oh yeah yes because that's what's under the tarpaulin is is the star is this star post and it's enormous look at the bottom of page five like they're only as tall as the base of the thing it's huge i feel like 
star posts they've been a little bit variable uh-huh. but even you know you think back to like origin of sonic yeah the first time was sonic running around charging one up to take them to this it was it was pretty big then you know? i can't remember how big it was i'll have to take your word for it but this one this feels like it's so big that it's yes this feels monumental. Yeah. it's like a town square clock or something this thing it's huge presumably it's just the same one as they put in that metal box to break those mobians out of prison that one time oh probably yeah but but this is this is big for drama just for the dramatic art of storytelling. Uh, oh, and, big. and speaking of, you turn over the page to page six. Oh my God, the art! Oh, dear <laughs> Jesus, David! Oh, it's a one of these ones where it's almost a full page picture, but then there's a thin one underneath it. An almost full page picture of us, ground level, with Amy, a, holding in both hands this line that she's just fired as a, attached to an arrow into the star post so it's going up in the star post there's electricity going down it but she's gripping it with both hands hair going all over the place angry little face johnny there and supersonic you see loads of him in this panel because he's shooting around all over the place and you get to decide whether the reason you see loads of him is because a he's going so fast and that's just the after images you're seeing b it's just comics language to show you where he is See, uh, he's lightning now, so you can see loads of him all at once. Whatever, do you know what I mean? He's just whooshing around this post, essentially trying to escape from the grip that it has on him. Well, yeah, because Kintabor activates the star post, and it's like it it snares yeah. Supersonic in an energy beam. Yeah. So he's held by this tether, and he is now flailing around like you know, like a like an animal in a yeah. snare, just. Yes, it's so good. And Johnny's freaking out. No, no, it's all going wrong. He's gonna escape. And then, and then it's like, no. Yeah. And, he, and he, it seems like Sonic has disappeared into the star post in the way that he does, you know, through the star. But then a moment later, Sonic, back to being blue again, falls smoking from the star post again. Yeah, and they gather him up and help him to his feet and everything. And it seems to have worked, you know, it seems mm-hmm. to be fine. And then Kinterball goes, Um, Amy, I'm picking up really wacky readings from the star post. If I'm right, we may have sent all the chaos energy into the special zone. What I'm trying to say is that Supersonic may still be alive in there. The idea that Supersonic, made entirely out of Chaos Emerald energy, <laughs> is just alive somewhere, screaming round in weird space extremely flipping cool and i mean and, and that's pure hulk stuff again as well you know is the it? idea of separating hulk and is it? the two sides you know the dark and the light the two halves of the one hole split in two uh-huh. and eventually having to face off against one another i mean this is when kitching introduced this idea 80 issues ago yeah. or thereabouts you know this was the only conclusion this could ultimately have reached. You <laughs> right. know, splitting them into to have them fight. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, maybe it's just he may still be alive in there. Oh, yeah. That's what Kintobor says. But as our heroes limp home, the the strip ends on a, a them limping off as little silhouettes in the distance and a menacing close up of the smouldering star post going. <laughs> crackling with energy as it pushes in on it and the the, the cartoon fades to black and the incredible drama of the last few pages is undermined a little bit by (laughs) next issue bubble trouble bubble trouble (laughs) but 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 yeah not as much as it could have been because there's a 
little the end box on this hey! one and it is before it yeah and I, I mean and also the fact this one ends on a little bit of a cliffhanger it's not supposed yeah. to be the big dramatic denouement to something that's been going on for however long the whole brotherhood of metallic story lasted or however long the entire sonic and Nugget. this is actually act one of something new and it's clear to you that that's what it is from, yeah. from the cliffhanger it's left on love this little bite we go out on from sonic as well this has been a total nightmare you all risked your lives. Thanks, guys. I, uh... <clears throat> I owe you one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even that is just the latest little capper mm. on a run of stories Kitching mm-hmm. has been doing that has been showing Sonic as somebody who can't do everything. Yeah. He has his thing that he does, and his friends have support roles they play. Mm. And this last bunch of issues, I didn't realize just how much they actually fed into this and the stories that come after this. I was remembering everything basically from the end of Return of Chaotix and the Brotherhood of Metallic story up to this as just being filler fluff. Mm. And it turned out a lot of it wasn't. No. It was about, you know, reaffirming uh, Robotnik's yeah. reign of terror over the planet and exploring these new aspects of Sonic and his relationship yeah. with his friends. Yeah. Oh, it's all been so good. Refusal! Oh god, right. Review zone. I did get I had a uh. good bark of a laugh at the first line of David Gibbons' review <laughs> of World Cup Golf Professional Edition, which is Oh no, not another golf game, I hear you cry. Uh-huh. Ooh, Dave Gibbon receiving those future uh-huh. echoes of these <laughs> podcasts being sent back in time to him. Oh god. Well, why why are there so many golf games? I dunno. I mean, I appreciate the honesty of Gibbon's review on this uh-huh. one. The final analysis box is like, Raves, golf addicts will find this a hard-hitting game. Graves, not much fun if you're not into golf. <laughs> and a truer word has genuinely never been spoken. Golf addicts. Why are there golf addicts buying so many <laughs> golf video games? How is this such a constant, ubiquitous genre in this magazine? Who are these What's this? Ooh, language, <laughs> Timothy. <laughs> What's happening here? Golf. I looked it up. It's identical it's to whatever the last golf game is. Sticks, right? Yeah, it's the same game as whatever the last one is that we looked up. Except it runs a bit better because now it's on a Saturn. Still, like, oh, it is on the Saturn, isn't it? I didn't even really register it was on the Saturn. Yeah, because they've because they've made a little Saturn icon, which I don't really recognise as resembling a Saturn in any particular way. Oh, I suppose they've really focused on the big slot at the top. Not quite aware that that isn't anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he just describes the clubs and the shot and things. It's an old school review in that sense, really. And it doesn't get any better on Euro 96 for the Saturn either. Britain's gone soccer crazy with the European Championships. As if Britain isn't soccer crazy all the time anyway, and as if you needed some justification for doing a football game review. I suppose we must allow that this is at least a year when we were aware of football being big. I guess that's fair. Because this is when you've got It's Coming Home. That's on then, right? Was it coming home in 96? Well, that's when the song came out, right? I don't know. Yeah, I think it is. I think that's the summer that came out. Well, that's great. So this was probably the football that was about. It's a corker with everything featured in the real-life tournament. Oh. You'll find... Boredom. All 16 teams. The actual venues and players. 
statistics on every single player and country. Oh, good. The game also has excellent real-time commentary from Barry Davies, with more than 30,000 words of match analysis. Oh. <laughs> this game will tell you if you're not playing it well. <laughs> Over 1,000 moves are included, such as diving headers. Oh, tell me more. Back heels. Yes, yes, please. And chesting down. Oh, chesting down. Oh. You can even have four people playing at the same time if you have a multi-tabernacle. <laughs> you don't have anything the Knuckles. Troubled Waters, Part 1, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, and letters by Elita Fell. Rowing across the Mobian Channel on his way back home with the chest of documents obtained from Captain Plunder, Knuckles is attacked by nautical ne'er-do-well Captain Crab, out to claim the prize Dr. Robotnik has on the Echidna's head. Nautical ne'er-do-well. Very good. Thought you might enjoy that yeah. one. Because I can't, you know, he might be some kind of pirate. Mm. But we've just done a pirate story. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and and if I talked about a pirate, I think we've conditioned our listeners to expect exactly, a certain yeah. class of character when I <laughs> describe him as a pirate. And he's not. He's just wearing a little captain's hat. Mm. He's a little crab. He's just, he's not a little crab. He's a very large crab. Uh, true, <laughs> but he's a... not like a man crab. He is a no, crab. No, he's just a crab. He looks yeah. just like a crab. <laughs> so the chest... Yes, love it. The chest of plans and diagrams. I mean, I was as soon as I saw the first page, and it's like, no, what's happened is we checked in with the Chaotix for two issues, <laughs> and in the two issues while we were away, Knuckles has just been rowing yeah. the poor bugger. We were wondering if that would come up again, wouldn't it? So if you yeah. if you don't remember, or you've for some reason started listening on this issue, Knuckles has recently obtained through no small amount of hard work a chest that is full of plans that will tell him how his ancient floating island tech stuff works. He seems to more or less know how it works, but I'm guessing he's just trying to... I can't remember. Why does he want this? It's just all about secrets and stuff. Uh, yeah. He doesn't know how it all works. He knows how some bits of it's work. But yeah. Yeah, everything working again. And now what he's doing is he's row he's in his little rowing boat. He's going across the sea and he's going, God, two days and still no wind or I'll never get home, but uh, it's going to be worth it when I get this chest full of plans and diagrams. Read it, you little spiky twat. Just read them now in the boat. You're in danger. You're probably going to sink. Your chest is going to get... Someone's going to take it away from me. Read them. I'm getting really stressed. I mean, he might have looked at them all already, but, you know, it's like... read. You know, you're not going to read the IKEA assembly instructions in the car on the way home, are you? I am if it's the... you got to see the pieces laid out in front of you. I can't decide without the pictures. It, I am if it's the secrets of my, like, ancestral flying home... The, it's just I'm gonna have a look. Yeah, but you think? But no, I think what he's got here is instruction books. Uh -huh. Like he doesn't have like parchments that tell the ancient secrets of the echidnas. He's got like you know how to make the light in the fridge stay on. No, yeah, but, except I yeah, but I think it's gonna be like how do I open the fridge in such a way that I go to the warp of confusion and turn the island into a fortress that can do that. Like, I, it feels important to me, and I'm getting stressed that he lets it... At one point, it floats away into the sea. He gets it back. 
It's very stressful. <laughs> well, I just love that Kitching is not letting go of the idea that Knuckles' story is all one big adventure. Yeah. That he still keep. I mean, it's been going on for so long now. Yeah. We've gone from Knuckles' introduction to the Sonic and Knuckles storyline, which ended with the damage to the floating island that uncovered the ring that mm -hmm. took him to the special zone where he met Chaotix. Then he came back to complete the tidy-up where Dr. Zachary arrived. Yep. Then Dr. Zachary's robot destroyed the Master Emerald, so Knuckles had to go and get a Master Emerald from some <laughs> ghost dinosaurs. And then whenever he transferred the Emerald power out of the robot into the uh, Master Emerald, the robot went crazy and smashed up the control chamber mm -hmm. and everything. And that caused the force field surrounding the island to come down, which allowed Captain Plunder to land on the island. And then Captain Plunder offered him this chest of stuff. So now he's trying to get back with the chest of stuff. And it's like, it's just all one big adventure. Oh. And I love that Kitching like centralizes the ain't. I've said it a million times. I don't know why I keep well. repeating myself, but it bears repeating. He centralizes the ancient mysteries of the floating island. Mm. He gets that this is what Knuckles is about. Mm. God, there's no day off for this guy, is there? He must be knackered. I mean, he literally actually is. He's been rowing for yeah, two days. Yeah, that's he is the thing. literally knackered. You would think that the trip home would be a chance for Knuckles to actually take it easy yeah. for once, because all he has to do is just drive home. But no. No, something else will happen. I'm starting to feel like Knuckles is like the middle-aged representation in this comic. <laughs> like, there's one oh, thing after another. Back. Okay, I thought I was going to get five minutes off, but now I've got to go and do this. Right, fine. And then he gets attacked, and uh, it, it, so th this whole strip is just an action sequence, yes. by the way. Like, we'll focus in on lauding that, but otherwise the strip's just an action sequence. Yeah. Whereas, what is clearly a big tentacle bursts out of the water to attack him. He thinks it's a sea snake badnik. It's a, it, it doesn't necessarily immediately read as robotic, but it mm. appears we are intended to take it as robotic. Yeah. So one pops out, and then another, and he says, well, they look tough, but I should be able to handle two badniks without much trouble. And then six more pop up, and it's like, it, on the other hand, might be a problem. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay, so these are all tentacles, tentacles attached yeah. to an, a robot octopus that's below him that's about to come I'm, up. I'm waiting to see the octopus, yeah. Yeah. And then the fight goes on, and no, yeah, they actually are individual robot snake things. We get shots from under the water, we get shots of them swimming down after him as Knuckles goes down, and like, yeah, there's just these weird tentacle things coming yeah. after him. They're a lovely gold and purple, yes. which again is such a Nigel Dobbin palette. Mm. He loves those royal colours. It's weird that that is the main clue that they are in fact robotic is that they are gold and mm. purple, which are only really robot colours if you're Nigel Dobbin, but when you're Nigel Dobbin, they're robot colours, so it's like, yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah. Remember those bejeweled motobugs that <laughs> exactly. he did in that poster mag story? Exactly. Or the fact that Zachary's robot was all gold coloured too? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And they chase him down, and it looks like he's going to drown. The thing is, there's overall not actually very much to get into in this story. No, because it's just a bunch of robot snakes chase Knuckles through the water. The whole thing is just a series of threats happening to Knuckles and him getting past them. Yeah. And it's beautifully drawn from top to bottom, like. Yes. Jesus, it's so good. And it's a nice new environment. You mm. know, I, I, we haven't seen Knuckles splashing about in the water before. No. And he can swim, which Sonic can't, you know, so he's got that going for him. Yeah. Not that they make anything of that, but it's like, you know, we see Knuckles swim, so. Yeah. <laughs> Therefore, he can swim. Imagine if Knuckles knew Sonic couldn't swim. Oh, the stick he'd <laughs> give him would be nothing ordinary. But he gets back up to the surface, and here is captain crab in his unusual looking sea craft <laughs> that's that's what his strip should be called captain crab in his unusual looking sea craft 
And Captain Crab is just a big crab yeah. wearing a little blue navy captain's hat, like a little military man. A sailor hat rather than a pirate hat. A little sailor's hat, of course. That's the word I was looking for. A sailor's <laughs> hat. Yes, as their little military man of the ocean hat. Yes, sailor, as they're also <laughs> flipping no, Chris. Well done. You know, those little men <laughs> go in a boat. they got beards. And he introduces himself. Have you not heard? No one crosses the Mobian Channel without answering to Captain Claw. And then he says, begin transformation sequence. Mm. And all the snakes come slithering through the water and hook up to the front of his robot Finally ship. now. And yeah, so the ship is a sort of squid thing after all. It's almost a relief, isn't it, when you see them do that? You're like, oh, good, there we yes, go. Yes, the sentiment I had was not, <gasps> it was, oh, there it is, okay. <laughs> you know, it yeah. was like, all right, okay, I saw that one coming, but it took a weird path to get there. <laughs> I'm actually really looking forward to seeing more of this craft next issue because... It's a little bit obscured all the time. I'm not mm. fully, fully, fully sure what it looks like yet. Yes, the last panel chooses to put a big speech bubble over the top of it. I mean, it's the best place for the speech bubble. It would be, yeah, if they put it down in this slightly emptier bottom left corner, it would be weirdly far away and disconnected from the speaker. Mm. But uh, it does wind up covering the ship just enough that it's like, I feel like I should be getting a better look at this ship. Mm, yeah. Surrender to me, Knuckles the Echidna, while you're still able Next issue, Tentacles of Doom. Apropos of nothing, really, I just like the bit where Knuckles gets attacked by the tentacles and the way they choose to have him react is by going, Whoa, hey! <laughs> yeah, yes, that's it, when he shatters the broken, he goes, it, it looks like he's saying, Way! I was tired of rowing anyway! Yeah. They smash up his little boat and he's like, Way! Way! <laughs> W-A-A hyphen H A Y Y. But I think it's meant to be that the whoa is him falling yeah. and the hey is him I don't know, going I don't yeah, well, know. Geez, it's an obvious like, I don't know, I'll, uh, something like, you know, yeah. or But that's how <laughs> that's how we should live. When someone when someone attacks us and does bad things, we should go, Way! Because if anything else, it'll confuse them. I don't know, I think most incarnations of Knuckles, if somebody attacked him, he'd go like, Way! And be ready to get stuck. But it, you, like this bit here, like immediately afterwards, where he climbs up on top of one of these like rocky growths, or maybe it's coral or something, yeah. coming up out of the ocean. He climbs up it to get out of their range, and what they do is they just smash the base of it. And he's like, Ah, oh, give me a break! Ah! It's like... <laughs> Knuckles is just, he's, he's just fed up this issue. <laughs> like, Captain Claw does not feel destined to become one of the memorable STC original villains. You know, he is some mook that is just really spoiling Knuckles' already exasperating afternoon. Yes, you wonder if this is going to be the last straw for Knuckles and like the first thing we'll see in the next issue is just like, just a little crumpled bit of leftover shell and <laughs> Knuckles just stomping away going, I'm going home! <laughs> <laughs> I am done! I'm not playing anymore! <laughs> he's nicked his octopus ship and he's just flying home in it. Graphic zone! Hot zone! Hot zone! Why do they do it? <laughs> I don't know! Why do they give the graphic zone a different name every know. time? Especially if they can't come up with one. <laughs> Hot zone! Because the theme of this issue's graphic zone is it's Sonic and Co. at the beach. Yes, the also beach. what's weird is that they have put two weird things that are meant to kind of be the sun 
over this hot zone logo. Are but they the sun? Are they fire? What? Are they sun spots? Are Is they reflections? Are they just little abstract representations of the concept of heat? Yeah, like what is it? It's it's kind of a slanty oval with spikes of heat radiating off it, but not really. It's it looks no. like a it looks like a squashed insect. Holes burning in the pages. Yeah. That's it. No. It looks as if it's something that if we saw what it originally was, we'd go, oh. <laughs> but then they <laughs> coloured it in yellow to co-opt it for this. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's Sonic and Co. at the beach. The first mm. one is from Charlotte Ryan from Stafford in Staffordshire. And it's, uh, uh, well, <laughs> it's a very sexy tale, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah. There's something it's, very strange. It's not meant to be. No. But a, f- a few accidents with the, the line work here. <laughs> <laughs> Just something about taking a character who doesn't need to wear any clothes and putting them in little trunks. <laughs> yeah. And the way the trunks dangle below <laughs> the crotch does make it seem like Tails is packing. They point quite far down, don't yes. they? Yeah. <laughs> it's because what the artist here has done, Charlotte... I mean, well, listen, I don't know Charlotte's mind. She may have had any number of things in mind as she drew this, but what she's done is she's gone, oh, trunks are basically a triangle, and she's drawn yeah. a triangle. It's just that it extends so far down below his legs. Yeah. And the caption for that one is, A shade foxier? So they've noticed as Madam. well. Yes, of course. Yeah, they, they, yeah. It's not just us. It's not just us. We're not dirty in a tub. They saw it too. A nice one from James Roden from Torquay and Devon of Megadroid doing surfing. Yeah. I love to see a Megadroid drawn. And it's That's Megadroid right. with a Sega t-shirt nonetheless. And they've yeah. given him legs, obviously, yeah, so that he so can be on the surfboard. Which is a Sega Saturn-themed surfboard. He's got, like, legs bolted to his little hover plate. Mm-hmm. And then his, his shorts are just attached to that. <laughs> the one that kind of stretches the premise is the one below that from Deborah Close in Grimsby. It's a sort of flamenco dancer, Amy. Yes. But there's a palm tree and the sun in the background, so it'll do. Yes. And the caption of that is Amy. As you've never seen her before. Which way, eh, misses? I like this one from Beverly Carey in Swindon of... It's just the gang looking like they're having an absolutely lovely time on the beach. Yeah, brilliant time. A very Christmas tree-ish looking Sonic. Yes, the top point of his Christmas tree head is, is very, very high up. Sonic has got a beach ball under his arm. Johnny is flying a kite. Amy is making a sandcastle with a little anti-robotic flag stuck in it. Yeah. The sun is drinking a can of sun-kissed. Yes. <laughs> I didn't notice. <laughs> and it's got, no. and of course the sun has got sunglasses on. Of Classic. Course. How else are you supposed to draw the sun? Makes it look a little bit like a Megadroid sun, honestly. It, a little bit. I don't think it's meant to, but still. Tails is just standing there looking serene and happy holding a spade. And Porker is similarly standing there looking serene while he gets kicked square in the nose by Johnny. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. He'd just taken a fix. <laughs> I didn't deliberately time that for when Chris took a big swig of water uh, by Johnny Lightfoot, who is just absolutely swinging a foot back behind him. And it's going right in there, but Porker doesn't seem to mind. Listen, I didn't interpret it that way, even though they are on exactly the same like plane of the drawing. Because poor, I love to see Porker look so serene. Yeah. I'm so happy. He's just happily looking up. Love, and then floating up in the corner is just a big angry robotic face on what... It's on a TV screen that appears to be on like a little helicopter yeah. flying there, but it's cropped off at the top of the image. That's a good time, isn't it? Everybody having a nice go on the beach. Yeah, it's a lovely one. 
And this one on the right from Philip Edwards in Farnsborough, Knuckles enters the worst shirt contest, <laughs> which is a thing, you know. Yes. Uh, and it's Knuckles in like a big floppy sun hat and sunglasses mm -hmm. and, a, and a big gaudy shirt that you might wear to the beach. That exactly. your dad might wear to the exactly, beach. Exactly, yeah. It's he's 1996. He, yeah, he's dressed as sort of a tourist on the beach kind of outfit, mm. isn't it? And then again, next one, an echidna's castle, dot, 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 as in is his home, but like not guess, relevant here. Yeah. No no home, no castle depicted. And it's supposed to be the other way around, home is his castle. I don't get it, yeah. It's yeah. something to do with the fact that he's just lying, relaxing, like yeah. a dad on a picture postcard might do. Yeah, with the same hat, of course. Mm -hmm. Lying in a sun lounger. Got a drink he's sipping out of. And then the last one is uh, Sonic on the beach, dressed up. It, like, he's on an 80s beach, I think. Sonic. Yes, he's on a Save by the Bell beach. Yes, because he's got... Uh, his trunks are pink with big yellow triangles on them. And just the sky has random neon yellow and pink stripes in it. And he's got a big ice cream in his hand and he's got his sunglasses on and it's called Sonic Cools Off. And that is from Nicola Bolton. Oh, and uh, Knuckles on the Beach was Liam O'Brien from Dublin Island. This is Nicola Bolton from Chorley Lancashire. I really like this one from Nicola. I couldn't tell you exactly mm. why, but there's something just something about the boldness mm. of the lines. They haven't been... Uh, this is the stupidest critique to give a piece of art okay. sent into a children's magazine. Okay. But these lines have been drawn so boldly and sweepingly. Mm. They haven't been anguished over. She's just <laughs> grabbed her crayon and gone. Yeah. And that's Sonic that she's made there. She didn't carefully try to measure out the spikes or whatever. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that big bold curve of his belly coming down to meet the sharp angle of his shorts rising yeah. to meet his waist. I love it. Yeah. And that is the most unnecessary amount of thought I've ever put into a drawing that's been featured on the Graphic Zone, but I just mm. love the boldness of Nicola Bolton's lines. There's really only one thing wrong with the picture, and that's assuming that we accept the shape of that cloud as a happy circumstance that no thought was put into, and it's just what happens when you mm. when you when you draw bulges and shapes with your hand. She's chosen to include all of Sonic's toes. In the picture, which is... It uh, does, well, you know... That strikes a star off any drawing, I think. You know, you're not wrong, but <laughs> I recently discovered that the uh -huh. current official Sega position... Now or then? No. Uh -huh. I don't think they had one then, but uh -huh. no, is that Sonic characters just have blob feet. Oh. If their shoes are ever off, if they're ever in sandals mm. or whatever, they just have... They're like Mr. Men. They just have Mr. Men lump feet, and that <sighs> feels worse to me. It what right? What's worse? They you see they've made the error that Nicola's made here and countless others before her have made, which is that you must not think about it. This is very true. Because as soon as you think about it, you have to make a decision. You have to decide that they're either blobs or they've got toes or they've got just like blobs but with lines to depict. You have to think. We must never face these thoughts in our lives. Sonic shoes must never be removed. No, on pain of death. No, the only you can remove them if the joke is that he's got smelly socks because he's run so much and it's a, an issue of early STC. And then it's okay because his feet are still in the socks. Well, you don't... You just show him from the waist up holding up the shoes. Do you know what I mean? That. Yeah, that'll do too. Yeah, so the, <laughs> the camera just somehow never pans yeah. down far enough. I never want to think about Sonic's feet. Couldn't have started doing this podcast then. <laughs> no. <laughs> Tales. Changing Times, written by Lou Stringer, art by Carl Flint, colours by Steve White, and letters by Elita Fell. 
While sadly surveying the ruins of the Echo City Zone, yet another zone devastated by Robotnik, Tails is struck by a lightning bolt that sends him travelling backwards through time. Alright. He watches as a Badnik war machine rolls backwards through the city, until the point at which all the devastation is undone, then leaps in to attack, destroying the tank before the zone can ever be harmed. The explosion puts the time flow to right, leaving a confused Tails struggling to explain to the residents of a happy zone how he's just saved them. What a weird little story! It's an odd one, isn't it? But I liked it. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it. It shows the the range of Lou Stringer's like ambition, the kind of stories he's looking to tell here. A weird yeah. little... Uh, I was going to say comedic, but it's not really comedic. Any comedy in it is derived from Tails' confusion at what's going on around him. Mm-hmm. And a story with a complex enough conceit that it's all told to completion in, in five pages. Yes! It's interesting, isn't it? This is this is Lou doing the definition of soft science fiction here, where it's like... <laughs> yes, this is... I mean, and made all the softer by Carl Flynn's heart and Steve White's colours, which are the <laughs> definition of soft. Yes. Lou's gone, I want to do a story where time is flowing backwards. Why is time flowing backwards? That's unimportant. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter why. It does not matter. Tails sort of maybe got hit by lightning. It doesn't even really look like he did. It looked like it just sort of zapped past him. Maybe it doesn't matter as much. Yeah, in fact, he explicitly jumps out of its way. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even mention, sorry, I said that it was all done in five pages. Really, it's all done in four. Yeah. Because two thirds of the first page is a shot of Tails looking down on the Badnik war machine, destroying the town, and the narration asks, why is Tails refusing to help? Read on to find out. You know, the old classic Marvel first page of a comic splash page that tells you what's going to happen in the story, and then the story actually starts on the next page. Yeah, quite apart from the time going backwards thing, there's like two more gimmicks crammed into this five pager. Mm. There's that cold open of like why on earth isn't tails being helpful here and he even looks like he's standing watching the destruction with an angry expression his arms folded as if like maybe he commanded it in the first place or something yeah yeah so there's that gimmick like what's going on here find out earlier this happened and then the next gimmick is tails flying around while everyone is talking backwards and the sound effects are backwards as well. Oh my god, I love I love the way the sound effects are backwards. It's so good. So whenever the tank comes rumbling in, yeah. the sound of, well, I love the fact the sound effect is L bummer. <laughs> and the next one is that there's an explosion that says Moob. <laughs> Tails goes Moob. <laughs> Moob. And yeah, all the dialogue from the people in the city and the badniks and everything, it's just written backwards, yeah. full-blown backwards, uh, the words in the sentence order and everything. Did you spot the one goof? Yes, I did. Unless he's talking about a raw machine. Um, yes. Yes, the word war, as in war machine destroyed everything. Uh, yeah, just the word war is the right way around. Whoops. Oh, well. I love the gag that it all ends with, where Tails flies towards the war machine hmm. which is moving backwards through time and one of the badniks looks up and goes oh, a fox flying backwards <laughs> yeah yes that was the one moment in it where i had to really stop and sort out what i thought about the time travel in my head yeah yeah and think about what what way are they they're moving yeah that way and it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just makes you stop and think for a minute something about the fact that this is the split second after something happens that is about to not happen so this doesn't happen so yeah. when did this robot <laughs> see tails flying what version of this robot 
Sawtail's flying away, which he only does because he's about to crash into it and make it not happen. It's always, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, blimey, Basil, I've gone cross-eyed. <laughs> As Tails himself says, he hits the tank and it very dramatically explodes. Yeah. And Tails says, so that's what happens when an object travelling back in time hits an object travelling forward in time. So P. Porker Lewis isn't here to explain it to me. <laughs> I love that. What a great <laughs> way of not bothering to explain it. It's like, well, yeah. the clever guy yeah. isn't here, so we don't have to have anyone explain. I mean, do you notice the sound effect for when... It, I've only just noticed it now, actually. The sound effect of him exploding the tank is... <laughs> yes. <laughs> As the backwards sound effect suddenly flips around into the forward sound effect again. The sound effect is... Foom! But it's the backwards explosion thing. <laughs> Look at this fish guy. Look at the fish guy. He's a fish mobian, and so he's got a goldfish bowl on his head full of water. <laughs> yeah. That's how you draw a fish mobian, according to Carl. He's my man. That's a good idea. I like it. Is it in the script, or did yeah. Carl just come up with it? Who knows? Who knows? As Tails looks round, look at the sort of distant silhouette of a giraffe running down yeah. the beach. <laughs> running along with his neck flapping. Flailing around. That's brilliant. That's the trouble with changing history. No one knows you've done it. Apart from you boomers, says Megadroid <laughs> in an editorial caption. And then it goes, Dna-et. Uh... Which is the end backwards. <laughs> Next issue, mystery villain. What a silly, weird little story. Yes, it's odd, isn't it? I don't know whether to call it high concept or if it's just sort of silly, wibbly, wobbly, sidewaysy concept. It's so silly. Yes, <laughs> what a lot of fun. I, I, I like this. Yeah, I'm a fan of this. It's a lot of fun. I feel like we're starting to get glimpses more and more of the kinds of stories that Lou Stringer is better remembered for, though. We had it before in the Carnival Night Zone with Max Gamble this last issue. Mm -hmm. I've really come to understand a bit more in the span of reading this and, and following him on Twitter, let's be honest, is understanding Lou's fondness like for superhero comics and stuff right. go going back to the 60s and 70s. In addition to the traditional British comics, you know, and stories like this and some of the stuff we know is coming up with the special zone is really cluing me into the way he wants to tell these little, well, say high concept, you use the phrase, there are these little high concept stories that use these soft kids superhero sci-fi comic stuff mm -hmm. and then sometimes there are strips where the villain is a talking potato <laughs> <laughs> so i think it's gonna be a real mixed bag going forward but i'm kind of <laughs> looking forward to finding out what it's gonna be from issue to yeah. issue you know next issue mystery villain i don't know yeah. let's find that out that could be anything couldn't it <laughs> that could be literally anything i mean i remember the last time we had a mystery villain type story it was a couple of issues ago there was an invisible robot it became visible and turned out to be nothing <laughs> So, Vector Man! I played Vector Man, it was good, I enjoyed Vector Man, but no, I mean, I remember doing all these cheats, so they're all real cheats that work. The practice mode in particular is the one you because the, uh, the way Vector Man started was, it was the Sega logo screen, and Vector Man would drop down on top of the Sega logo and it was like, whoa, mm -hmm. with the little sound effect that he made. And you could control him oh. there. And hidden up at the very top right, just off the screen, was one of the TV monitors that you popped to get power-ups. Oh. And it's described here, if you stand on the right side of the screen and shoot up, you'll hit a TV. And if you broke the TV, and then you jumped up onto the Sega logo, you stood on it, and then double-jumped up again to grab the power-up out of the TV. It was the smart bomb or the invincibility power, and it would just go... 
and then all the lights that the the blue lights of the Sega logo and the blue lights of the rippling Sega logo background would all just go out and the screen would just be dead grey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear that the cheats actually work because what it says here is important. These codes may take a few attempts to work, but you'll soon get the knack if you enter them as instructed. And I seem to remember they've used that as sort of code to mean these are mostly just wrong. <laughs> well, we've heard it a couple of times very recently yeah. in particular. Yeah, I don't know why they're so set on that. Yeah. Do you remember how some people used to have difficulty making the Sonic level select cheat work? Like up, down, <laughs> left, right, the simplest thing in the world. And yet, well, even yourself, I'm sure mm -hmm. there were many times where you did it. And it just didn't work for some reason. Probably, I don't remember now. Oh, I remember plenty of times where up, down, left, right. Where is it? Huh? Where's that pijing? <laughs> Do you remember having any difficulty with these? No, they're all pretty straightforward. Time warp, the first one, sounds like more hard work than just getting there in the game. Yeah. It says, at the Sega logo screen, move Vectorman underneath the logo and shoot it 24 times, then jump and hit his head on the logo 12 times, and the words get ready will appear and the letters S-E-G-A, Sega, will begin falling. Catch 80 of them to warp to the fifth day or catch 110 to warp to day 10. Flip it, just play it to the 5th or 10th day. I hadn't remembered that one until I read it here, and it makes me want to, you know, go and do it again just yeah. to do it. <laughs> just for the sake of it. As a player of this game, like, what does it mean to get to the 10th day or the 5th day? Or It's the level. Right, so it's level 5 or level 10. That's a lot of work yeah. when you could just play five levels. Or just go to the secret cheat menu, the last code there on the opening screen, enter ABBA down ABBA, yeah. and you've got the secret cheat menu, which lets you start at any stage of the game with maximum health lives and any weapons. Of course, it does start by saying this works for some and not for others, so good oh. luck, which is an odd sentence. So perhaps there was a run of the game that printed yeah. without that code. Or regional variations of the game or something. Yeah. The one I really like is taxi mode. Um, all it is is it's like debug mode. You turn into a cursor arrow yeah. and you can go anywhere you want and then you have to turn back to Vectorman to play it. But it's called taxi mode because what it is is you pause the game and you press CA left left ACAB. Oh, I didn't. Oh. Which is <laughs> call a, a cab. cab. I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like it. <laughs> Lovely. Compo. It's the Chewitz Casio Compo. Yeah. The prize is a Casio pocket television, yeah. which, I mean, was there anything in life as a child that you <laughs> coveted more than the idea, <laughs> and I do stress the idea, yeah. of a Casio pocket television? The ability to have the tally yeah. with you when you went out? Yeah. What? That's one of the greatest... It's one of the things that we do not stop to appreciate enough about our phones now. That's the truth. You know what I mean? This was the dream. Any any time you thought about the future, there'd be a telly in an unusual place would be a key part of that. Telly in your phone. Oh, wait. I mean, and that's what we that's have what we now. Have I was talking about, like, video phones or whatever, yeah. but, you know. <laughs> do you know, I did actually know a child my age at primary school who didn't have this but did have the Game Gear TV tuner. <laughs> this kid had that, and it was just the idea. The very idea. Uh, but it's the idea, specifically, because mm. in practice, it was rubbish. This is the thing. In practice, uh, not even because of the small size of it or anything. No, that's great. Nothing wrong with that. In practice, it's simply because it's a little rubbish aerial. Yeah. So the quality of picture you get is as good or worse mm. As you get on your tiny little portable TV with the little yeah. adjustable rabbit ear aerial sitting on top of it that you have at home, as opposed to the big TV in the living room that you had to play your video games on because you weren't allowed to use the big TV for that. Yeah, it's just no good for actually getting the TV on it, which is a terrible shame because 
What a great invention if it had been. I know, if it just worked, you know. Each TV has a high-resolution LCD color screen giving crystal clear pictures. And that's probably completely true. It's just that the yeah. signal yeah. was the problem, not the screen. Yeah. Being battery-operated, you can watch your fave program, Sonic the Hedgehog, of course, of course, in the privacy of your own bedroom, away from all those adult human... Privacy of your own bedroom? No. On the bus or something. Oh, out on the street. Yeah. That was the dream. Yeah. Wearing it in your own bedroom. I mean, that'd be nice, don't get oh, me yeah. wrong. But the dream is... Not, I mean, it's like they don't even get... TV outside. Do they not understand it? TV at school. That's the dream, isn't it? Yeah. That you've sneaked it in and at dinner time, everyone crowds around and you're watching Sesame Street on your little bit. <laughs> <laughs> what was on at lunch? That's the only thing I know that was on at lunchtime at school. Neighbours was that on? Uh, cheers, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Golden Girls. See here. If you'd like to enter this egg-cellent competition oh. like a bird's egg, all you have to do is answer the following question. What type of food does Dr. Robotnik love munching on? Oh, that's why Right, it's that's why it says egg, okay. Took me a minute to put that one together. I was wondering, yeah. I was like, why did they do egg-cellent? Because yeah, it's, nothing it's to a do pretty standard STC joke, but there's been no mention of eggs. Pr- and no. it's like, oh, okay, so the answer is what was Jen munching on? Yeah. So nothing to do with Chewits at all. No, no. It's just Chewits are promoting their Chewits now being chewier than ever. Yeah. By giving them so they've come TV. up with something that people might want as a prize. We've got the big illustration here, though, of the old Chewits monster. Run for your life! The muncher is coming! He's eating everything in his path! This is the end of civilization as we know it. Not quite, Professor. It's a long shot, but might just work. Come back, Chuck. Come back. Chewits, even chewier than a 15-story block of flats. Yeah, 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 yeah. With his hand on top of his head and under his jaw as he chews. I confess I can't remember what that was. No, see, I've had to do a bit. Of... Right. First of all, I'm going to throw this question at you. Okay. Don't think about it. Give okay. me an immediate answer. What's the monster's name? Oh, I don't know. And I should know because I had the Spectrum game with him. in. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know what he was called in the Spectrum game. But to me, the monster was always named Muncher. Uh-huh. That was his name. Run for your life! The Muncher is coming! But he, he, uh, people seem to know him much better as the Chewitsaurus. I guess I just never knew what he was called. Well, in the 80s, Chewitz had their big ad campaign yes. where they did it up like an old 50s monster movie. Yeah. And it was a Ray Harryhausen-style stop-motion monster yeah. that munched his way through buildings and could only be thwarted by the delicious chew of Chewitz, which were the only thing chewy enough to sate its chew hunger. We took the muncher to some of the best places to eat in the world. He ate the Taj Mahal, yeah. the Leaning Tower of Pisa, yeah. the Empire State Building. Yeah. But not one of these buildings could match the delicious chewy flavors of Chewitz. Yeah. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Chewitz are even chewier than Barrow in Furness Bus Depot. I'm guessing by now, American listeners, if you don't have these, oh, yes. have figured out what Chewits are. <laughs> chewy sweets! Chewy yeah. sweets, folks, sorry. They so, might have them, I don't know. They, I don't know. No, well, Chewits, I think, are a British sweet. Right. 
I have since quizzed Americans about this. Uh, apparently I'm told no, America doesn't have chewits, but they're probably quite like now or laters. Uh, some of those ads, like, they were called things like the Muncher Menace and everything, so I think that that name always just stuck uh. with me. But then, very famously, they did a big rebrand just a year or two out from where we are now in the comic, and that's when he became the Chewitsaurus, and they went from stop motion to animation, and they did the very famous uh. advert of the Chewitsaurus slapping a pair of buses on his feet and double-decker red London buses and roller skating <laughs> around London as the music claimed how much he liked to chew it, chew it. I like to chew it! I like to chew it, chew it. I like to chew it, chew it. I like to chew it, chew it. I like to chew it! I like to chew it, chew it. I like to chew it, chew it. I like to chew it, chew it. I like to chew it! Chew it, Soros! He likes to chew it! Years before King Julian was teaching the young people of today about that song. Yeah. This is a fascinating cultural artifact. Okay. And it's from a very short-lived number of years in between the 1950s monster mm -hmm. movie horror stop-motion style and the animated Chew It, Chew It advert, where they were advertising them with puppets in the style of the, yes. these green monsters. And they were like newsreader puppets. You basically had to have a proper hold on your head when you chewed or it would go mental. And that's what uh, the hands gripping this illustration of the chewing right. weird dinosaur dragon's head is. If you didn't Got hold it. your head appropriately, the chewits, oh, they'd just make your head go all wibbly. <laughs> Good evening. Uh, oh, now that big tasting chewits are even chewier, you must take precautions. Bernard. Before you chew these, you must do this. One, two, two. <laughs> This young chap ignored advice. <laughs> uh, Clive, unless you wear approved protective headwear, you must do it before you chew it. I had totally forgotten about those ads until I looked them up on YouTube when I was trying to figure out what this was and also why everybody thought the monster was named Chewitsaurus when I knew it was absolutely definitely named Muncher. Yeah, no, I don't remember that. I, I'm all about the first one. I'm all about the stop-motion Harryhausen-y looking mm. one. That, that is what I think the Chewit monster looks like, the way its mouth does a particular wiggly thing at some point. That's the one I know. I'd forgotten all of this. I'd forgotten I like to chew it, chew it, but yep, sure enough, I remember it now. How did you forget I like to chew it, chew it? Did you it's Horace, he loved to chew it. Because I already knew the song quite well, I guess. I think I just... Dunno. Yeah, the chew it. Munchasaurus, whatever he's called, was a big deal. Like, everyone recognised that character. Like, he's not on the packets yet, but they would start no, putting them on it. the packets. They're still on them now, I think. Oh, I'm sure. I, I certainly remember seeing him on those packets in the cinema. I remember walking past, because they used to have loads of chew it's for you to buy at the cinema. Chris, I've, I may never have eaten a chew it in my life. I'm sh no, I've definitely eaten Chewits because one of the big things that they did with Chewits later on was when they got sour. You know, tangy, zingy, sour Chewits, and I lived on those. Yeah, uh, I would have as if I'd known. Yeah, no, I, for some reason, Chewits was one of those things where I was just like, I, I, I don't know. I, maybe I decided I didn't like them. Maybe I decided I was fr Frutella loyal or something. I don't know. No, this is the, listen, you definitely have had Chewits. Because in the later years, Sonic the comic went Chewits mad. Oh, I bet I did. Yes, I bet I'll have eaten all of the Chewits they gave away. Yeah, this is the first collaboration between Chewits and Sonic mm -hmm. the comic, and apparently, like, not even the last for right now. Because the last thing on the page it says here is "Stay tuned for more competition uh -oh. goodies in the Great Chewits giveaway." Oh. So there is a partnership at work here. But yeah, later on, in it, I 
and it might even be entirely within the reprint years. So I suppose in that case you may not have. Uh, but free chewets become like almost a staple. You can't swing a cat or a hedgehog <laughs> for hitting chewets in the later years of STC. Fair enough. That seems like a perfectly good thing to be a free gift on a comic. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a free pack of sweets. Yeah, I mean, you've gone out and you've got your favourite comic. So you're already going to sit down and have a good time. Yeah. And now you've got free sweets that yeah. you get to eat while you read your... I mean... Yeah. God, it was a simple Well, it's life. because... No. It was a wonderful, <laughs> simple, pure old time that I want to go back to. Well, it's because there's no... When you've got free sweets on the comic, there's no opportunity for your mum to say, no, you're not having sweets today. That's it. They're <laughs> your sweets that you bought with your money. Probably. Well, not all the time, well, but you know. You know what I mean? You didn't yeah. buy this. The sweets just came with the comic, you know? Yeah. They were your sweets. <laughs> the first two correct entries selected at random from Megadroid's empty couch potato bags will win. <laughs> Sorry? What? Yeah, I think, think they've really mixed their metaphors there. It's a contest for with a television for a prize, so they've gone for couch potatoes. Yeah, okay, yeah. But then they've also wanted a food metaphor because it's chew-its. So they've... They, it's as if they mistakenly thought couch potatoes was a type of crisp or an alternative name for a crisp. Be a good name for a kind of crisp. Yeah, why aren't there any? Well, they could be shaped like little sofas. But, you know, if you eat too many chewits, do you know what you'll wind up with a bad case of? <laughs> That's silly. I have a bad case of diarrhea. I have a bad case of diarrhea. I have a bad case of diarrhea. It's the Diary Zone, the part of the show where I teleport you back in time to what exactly it was like. Or at least, that's the premise, what exactly it was like to live in the days when this issue came out. However, I'm increasingly feeling like I was an outlier in terms of what it was like to be a 14-year-old. 14, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can see I mean? that. <laughs> yeah. We're on holiday this week, somewhere in South Wales. Starting on Saturday, the 6th of July... 1996. It took us five hours and 45 minutes and 3.42 seconds to get here, but here we are and I'm loving it. It took that long? Well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's where we lived. Um, that was why it was weird when me and Abby started going out and we were like, ah, um, how are we going to actually see each other? Like, we live a long way away. I remember, by the way, that one of the ways that I decided to shorten, you know, because I was, I was starting to think it was agonizing to go on holiday because the drive was so long. And so I would time it on my watch and now it was a game and uh, it, that didn't really work uh, <laughs> that, that, if anything that just extends it um, but it means i've got it down to the second how long it took us to get there. imagine how all the places you'd go if you had a pocket television to keep you entertained <laughs> on those agonizing journeys oh i'll tell you what we did have a huge bag of tapes and a headphone splitter yeah. so me and andy would both have our headphones in and we'd be rocking out to all the greatest tunes like the sooty show and <laughs> you were gonna say something 14 14 probably not admittedly although i can't remember maybe we went through a phase of being too old for the sooty tape and and sort of still loving it in a kind of ironic way but also kind of not i don't know if that was this or if that's already passed me and andy have discovered that our beds are what do you, what would you say about the drill of our beds if you give snore ratings out of 10 I will give them infinite. Yeah, we are getting in bed. 
I wouldn't be able to fall asleep in this because it's so comfortable. I'll have to save the comfort. <laughs> oh, it's so comfortable. Ah. <laughs> I am dying from comfortable. <laughs> Me and Andy's beds here are comfy. The good for lying on, the good for sitting on. This week, Andrew Bulmer with Lice It, Lice It, Our Bliss Glee. Okay, right. Give me the stereo. Okay. Right. Lies it, lies it, hopeless glee. 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 We can't have that. We can't have that. Today, Mum gave us cool fluorescent yellow clipboards. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Which are proving to be very helpful for use with drawing the new comic about Zib in Illusion Land. <laughs> Zib? Zib. Zib was an alien character who I came up with this huge, great story for. This is, this is a remake of this comic. I've drawn it before in one of my little square pads that I used to have that were supposed to go beside the phone and you got them at theme parks, but I would draw my comics in them. But Zib, and it's, it's in Demon Tomato, it's in the book that I'm hoping to bring out this year, but it's a different character because Zib was wholesale copied from an episode of Garfield and Friends in which they meet an alien. <laughs> I had that. I had a character called Mr. Frosty, uh-huh. who was an animate ice cream cone mm-hmm. who wore sunglasses. Of course. Who was copied entirely from one of the cartoons on Round the Bend. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a baddie in that now, to be right. fair. I believe the cartoon was Thunderpants. Yeah, sure. Of course it was. Because they defeated him by warming up their pants and throwing them at him and melting him thusly. And the joke was, ever hear of hot pants? And they melted mm-hmm. him thus. But mm-hmm. when I took hold of him, he became a hero and I invented a supporting cast and <laughs> villains and all sorts of things. Yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? Because once you've done that, as I did with Zib, I'm like, Hands off my character. Like, it's, it's annoying to me that I'm not allowed to profit off it. <laughs> well, I mean, he was in one two-minute gag in Run the Band, so, you know. Yeah, exactly. They don't deserve to own the copyright to that. You do. So, uh, we went to Saundersfoot, had beautiful ice creams, nicer than in Linton. See Diary 2, and speaking of which, <laughs> Linton. Linton is the town with the greatest news agents. That's the one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The very one. <laughs> Speaking of Diary 2, when we got home... The is this show? <laughs> Chris in on the deep lore of both STC and Dave's Diary. <laughs> Speaking of which, Jesus. when we got home, Mum gave us new diaries. However, because I already have this and the next diary sorted, I'm using it as Zib's diary, in which I'll write currently made up story and then make up tons more. So I'm just going to like write down like, oh, today I, and it's the story of the comic I'm drawing while I'm on this holiday. Flipping egg. Sunday the 7th, today we went to some nearby beach where I wrote kilograms more Zib diary. Kilograms? Because I've just said tons more, so I'm saying kilograms more. Oh, I think okay, I'm, I get it. I think Sorry, I'm I funny. Not, uh, yeah, well, you were wrong. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, Saundersfoot Beach, where Andy twisted his ankle by falling oh. backwards off a huge rock. Oh. Uh, Monday the 8th, 
of July 10.41pm did nothing today as Andy couldn't walk. I was going to ask if he really twisted his Mm. ankle or if you said he twisted his ankle in the way that you heard characters on television say they had twisted their ankle and then they were better again soon afterwards. But he really did. It sounds like spraying his ankle. Yeah, he's really had a bad time of it. Uh, But it did give me the opportunity to do more zib. Comic. God, we're all about Zib now. All after about literally Zib. never mentioning him before. The way that I remember this holiday is by knowing it's the one where I drew Zib. Played 221B Baker Street for the first time, uh, which is a board game. But me and Dad had to stop halfway through to watch the X Files. Well, these must. Um, Tuesday the 9th, uh, we went to the Blackpool Mill. Not Blackpool. The Blackpool. Mm-hmm. Where I bought. Another great square pad. Almost exactly the same as the last one. And I've got it here. (laughs) Here's the pad. I found it. I dug it out. There's the pad. These are the things that I used to love drawing in. Look, there there I am there introducing the pad. What am I saying? Just like the old pad, only new. (laughs) Starting on the 9th of July, 96. And it's just got drawings in it. Like, here's page one. There's a little comic where a cat... What way are those held together? Are those not held together just, like, by glue? Just glue. Like a t- tear-off yep. sheets? Yep. And you've managed to keep those intact all this time? This one, yeah. A lot of the rest have fallen to bits. Yeah, because those just one. fall apart on you if you fold the page back to properly right. draw on. I'm amazed that still works. Page one is a little three-panel sketch in which a cat falls asleep on a universe destruction button and it destroys the universe. <laughs> page two... Spoilers. But I'll read you. It's a spoiler for the end of this paragraph. You're going to like this, Chris. I bought another great square pad, almost exactly the same as the last one. Also got... Bang! New STC. Yes, STC in the diary! I don't know if that's this issue or the last one. Well, it would have to be the last issue because this issue is not yet. And two... The Sonic Summer Special. Ooh! Which teaches you how to draw Sonic. Yes! Oh my god! Why is this not in that episode? Because uh, I didn't know about it in that episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> but there it is. There's a page of me drawing some god, Sonics. Look at those. Those are really good Sonics, too. Of course they are. Richard Elson taught me. And you'll look at me trying to make that fit into Knuckles as well. Trying to work out the shape of his yeah, head. Yeah, figuring out the shape of Knuckles. I've always got on about the shape of his head, haven't I? And this is where I was trying to work it out. Next page... Some Knuckleses, look at that. And a Megadroid. And a Megadroid too. And hey, that Knuckles splashing around in the water. Oh yeah, hold on. That's not from this issue, is it? Hang on, I should have told it up for me again. Okay. Do you know it is an L? Is it? It's So it must be this issue. From the last page of this issue's Knuckles. Of this this thingies, 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 Knuckles thing. (laughs) Well, no, it makes sense, because the reason we're doing this Diary Zone is it's within the range of this issue, isn't it? It goes off sale. Sorry, I thought the date you gave just was before it went on sale. Ah, well, we don't know what day I drew this. Ah, of course. We just know when I got the pad. Yes. Last page of Sonic Drawings for now. Uh, oh, I mean, if there was any question as to what era of Sonic I got this pad in, look at the next page. It's got to be a drawing of Super Sonic. Yep, there he is. Super Sonic and Amy. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the Super Sonic from when he's flying around in the bar you've copied yeah. there too. Well, here's one that's 100% a Richard Elson one. Look at this. Yeah, <laughs> Elson posing. Fist <laughs> clenched. There you go. So I've learned how to draw Sonic. Thursday the 11th, went to Oakwood, that's a theme park in Wales, represented here by <laughs> the pads that I bought there. Jesus God, <laughs> why have, you've literally never mentioned these pads before, and now they're all you're about. I loved these. You don't do anything by halves when you're a child, do you? Like, when it's about one thing, it's about one thing at one Pretty time. Much, yeah. This summer is the summer of Zib. 
Yeah. And pads. No, I, I don't know what it is about these pads. I just had one and it was so good for taking to school and drawing little comics in that I was just, I was always getting them after that. So this is Thursday. We were at this theme park. Me and dad went on the water splash and there's an illustration of the water. I, oh, no. this is such a clear memory. The water splash, when you're looking at it from the ground, it's just a big water slide type thing. And you get in a, you know, a little chair, a little seat thing that they give you. You get in a little thing and you go down this slide. As we were going up it, up the spiral almost stairwell to get up it, I'm starting to think, we're going up quite far here. <laughs> we get to the top. They give us the thing that you sit in. And it's not like, you know, on some tube slides or whatever, you get on a, a mat thing. Yeah. This was like a hard, like a boat that you had to sit on. And it had handles that you hold on to. Oh, I know the sort of thing you mean. Yeah, yeah. And as they put you at the top and you look forwards, I'm looking down and I'm like, oh, I've made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never been this high up. And I thought it was a nice gentle incline. But from this perspective, it looks completely vertical. I know exactly the sort of slide you mean. I've drawn this. I remember sitting on the bed drawing this. Here is a little two-panel comic of me going, <laughs> all right, all right, it's vertical. And someone says, hold on tight. And I go, yeah, don't worry, I will. <laughs> See that? With the, the world receding down away from this slide. Oh, I was terrified. Um, and we went on the Python tube slide and we went on the treetop coaster. And Andy went on the mini web. I told you about the mini web on this show. That's the thing oh, yes, the, where you're bouncing down the yes. elastic bands. In which you went to the very top level. And you crawled out and you were looking over just a shaft, just a vertical shaft. Big enough that it had a kind of a, a soft bar along the top. And that was enough for like several children to perch on. And all the way down this shaft, at lots of levels all the way down, were industrial belt elastic bands at different angles. So they made a sort of a mesh all the way down. Oh, I got And you, you just dropped and you just boing de doing boing, boing all the way to the floor boing. and of course there was a big soft bouncy castle type floor a inherently by itself a wonderful idea and incredibly fun b directly mm. resembled a scene from the super mario brothers movie that was also out that year <laughs> oh, <Louis>! oops <laughs> sorry mario i got you Luigi, help the cat told mario i should try out for the yankees I'd high-five you, but then you'd be an only child. <laughs> I was over the moon. Hog heaven. <laughs> and I've got a drawing here of my brother bouncing down it. There he goes, look. Boing, look at him go. Yeah. Oh, and look, there's a... Blimey! Sev yeah. <laughs> and there's a severed leg. Well, that's how deadly it was in those things. Yeah. Oh, and there's a severed head! Oh, violent Dave. Yeah. And then we got these, Scopes and Thingy. We can't remember her name. Does this, have you, does this ring any bell, Chris? Did you have anything like this? Doesn't look familiar, no. These are called Kushkins. Oh, yeah, okay, I remember Kushkins. I didn't recognise that's what I was looking at, but... Yeah. Yes, I remember them. Now. They were Kush balls, but with... You remember Koosh balls, everybody. Little, yes, 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 a yes. ball of little stripes of elastic little coming out. stripes, yeah, yeah. Uh, strips. Strips, yeah, <laughs> that means stripes. And um, these, though, had sort of, you know, character bits coming out of them. Two arms and some sort of a face. And Scopes is the one where it's just two eyes on stalks. 
And then there was a sort of a main one, a cool dude one, and so on. Of course, the cool dude one, a nerd one, a girl one, yeah. and, and... And an Eyes on Stalks one. Eyes on Stalks one, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, Andy also got a dragon and a king pebble. And I've drawn this, it's literally just a pebble that's got googly eyes stuck on and a crown stuck on. <laughs> they could sell you anything. That's a gift shop for you. Yep, when you're on holidays, yeah. you're just a mug. I think back to the amount of tat I got on holidays. Oh, and I got a pad. So, the, so actually, I did get this. So I, I've just oh, bought the, two days in a row. I've bought one of these little pads. Can't think of anything else to put. Oh, played Piggy for the first time. Piggy? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe for the last time. Well, Piggy. If I've not <laughs> Piggy, is that just a game? Is that just a card piggy. game? Like Piggy? I don't know. Not sure. Is is it Piggy in the middle and there's a pile in the middle that's the Piggy card or something? I don't know. It's making me think of something. The idea of playing a game called Piggy sounds. It's like Go Fish and you say Piggy at a certain point I or something. Yeah, something there, mm. but it's, yeah. And then I sign off that day with note. Whenever I do this, Nana cracks up. And I, I I remember this. There is an illustration, but I can do it for you now, Chris. Okay, I'm going to do it. All right, all right. This Hit is me. this is what cracks Nana up. Okay, you ready? Goes like this. Goes like this. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> There's the illustration, Chris. <laughs> I'm sure you'll agree. Okay. Precisely what I just did. Yes. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> Saturday the 13th, 10.52pm. Well, we're back. It took us six hours and 39 minutes and 24.67 seconds, including lunch, ice cream, and I stopped it at McDonald's and forgot to start it again. Tuesday the 16th. <laughs> Went round to Andy's. He's got a new CD-ROM. Ooh, how exciting. I don't know what it was of, doesn't say. And uh, finally, Wednesday, the 17th, cool day. Cool day or cool day? A cool day. There's a difference. <laughs> Went to Cadbury's World. Ooh, that is a cool day. You won't have been to Cadbury's World, Chris. I have not been to Cadbury's World. This was, and I think remains, in Birmingham. And... I mean, I've been to Birmingham, I just haven't <laughs> been to Cadbury's World. Well, it's just the Cadbury factory, but you get to go around it. Free chocolate. Uh, oh, you do not understand how much you get for each other. Oh, because there was a potential for that to go horribly wrong. I bet this has changed now, but back then, you got so much free chocolate that when we went, mum had to bring a cool bag. <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> oh! Yes! We Remember cool bags? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure families still have them, right? I don't know. Did they take cool bags or did they take the big coolers? The cool box. Yeah, yeah, just the big boxes. You know the ones I mean that you literally yeah. put ice in. Yeah. Wow. It's just it's just that I genuinely may not have heard the phrase cool bag <laughs> in 25 years. You it's, know. Now, listeners, it's not a cool bag. <laughs> no, it's no. It's one of those like, bags. It's not that's... a cool. Cool day, cool day, cool bag. It's not cool. Cool bag. It's not cool. It's cool chili. It's one of those. But it's a square bag that's insulated with like silver bubbly insulation stuff, and you put into it those kind of slabs that you put in the freezer. Mm, yeah. What do you call them? Freezer blocks. Freezer. Yeah. You, know, the, you put yeah. that in, and it can just take your sandwiches, and it'll stay cool. Keep them cool. I even think that in the hottest days. I might have taken one to school. I'm not sure. <laughs> the freezer block. I mean, in Missani box, Cadbury's World. You go in. And they hand you free chocolate bars. Brilliant. You go up the stairs and they hand you free chocolate bars. Every room you go in, someone at the door hands you free chocolate bars. There are two reasons I don't think they do this today. Number one, it's just a lot of chocolate to give away. Yeah. Number two, I just don't see anyone employing that many people now. 
Like, <laughs> someone to stand in the door of every room in this place. And what's in these rooms are, like, some of them are the real room where you can see the conveyor belt, or at least it's probably yeah. a decommissioned one or something. Some of them are full-on theme parky type rooms, so you, like, get on a ride where you shoot little raisin guys or whatever. You know, everyone's a fruit and nutcase people. I would shoot the raisins, keep them out the chocolate, ruining the good chocolate with their raisiny nature. What I'm picturing is an M&M guy, but it won't be that. What did Cadbury have that was an equivalent mascot then? I don't know. Perhaps they had little chocolate bean guys. Um, There was one where you went into a, uh, a room that recreates a kind of jungle place where Aztecs might live, and there are statues of them and they give you there a sip of the original chocolate. Oh, okay. The drinkable stuff that the Aztecs used to make out of the cocoa beans or the cacao beans. But they give you a little sip of the chocolate and famously it's horrible. Like everybody, every oh, really? every child who's been to Cadbury's World remembers the disappointment and needing to have something else to take the taste away of that so, cup. Of- well, that's why you have all that real chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was horrible. Um, you can't handle the taste of the primal ur-chocolate. <laughs> and that's nearly it. That's that's all but it. There's really only one other thing, which is that I found a drawing in this pad that I need to show you. This is going to have to go on the Twitter. Okay, all right. I'm going to... Oh. Uh, next holes, it says. So this, this is not holes. from now, but I just need to show you this. Devon, it's a little... Dr- uh, Yes! <laughs> Look at that! That's one hundred percent definitely not what he looked like. No, nope. I don't care. <laughs> Dave has drawn a very cuddly Arctur Dragonkin from yep. Sonic the Hedgehog in the fourth dimension. <laughs> what I've drawn is a a dragon guy, and I've mm. I've covered him in so many spikes that I don't think I'm trying to draw him cuddly, but he's just so round. You've drawn him in spikes, but it looks like he's covered in, in fur. He looks like a wuzzle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, he does, yeah. He looks just like a wuzzle, and he's got great big eyes and everything. So I guess that's that holiday where I said that I was, you know, wanting to make a cartoon of it on the Amiga. So I was learning to draw the characters and stuff. I guess that was then. Sonic's World. Revolution Part 4, written by Lou Stringer, art by Nigel Kitching, colours by John M. Burns, and letters by Tom Frame. Sonic uses his super speed to redirect the badnik Amy's volley of crossbow bolts back at her, freeing her from her robot shell. But then, Brutus and the armour-clad Robotnik burst up from below the street, locked in battle. Brutus has the upper hand until Robotnik sprays him with a freezing liquid that renders his body brittle and allows Robotnik to shatter him, destroying the rebellious commander for good. With the revolution crushed, Robotnik makes a worldwide broadcast reaffirming that Mobius is under his power forever. Yeah, cool. Mm, Um, Yeah, this is, it's, you know, it's good, it's full of good stuff and everything, but there's this kind of, there's this butt hanging over yeah. it, isn't there? There's, yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad we're on the same page on this one. Basically, I think they should have beat Amy and Johnny at the same time last issue, and uh-huh. this whole last part should have been given over to Robotnik and Brutus yeah. going at it. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, we, we really spent two of the five pages, bar one panel, on Amy being freed, and then the whole last page, and it is a tremendous last page, it must be said, of Robotnik doing his broadcast, which means after the four-part Project Brutus and the four-part Brute Force, the final battle between Robotnik and Brutus comes down to uh, not even two full pages. It's like, 
one and two thirds of a page? Yeah, the trouble is that when you set up these two people are equals. Obviously, they're going to fight. How are they going to fight each other? You're imagining how that's going to be, the very things that you think of. What it comes down to is sort of something anyone could do. Mm. Robotnik just goes, I'm going to freeze him, and now he's ice, so I've broken him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's not really anything to do with... The way it's framed here is like, We are equals, Robotnik. Oh, you think that, but I've had some more ideas since I made your brain. Yeah, yeah. And the idea is just to freeze him and smash him. That... Yeah, that's not anything new, you know? No. It really feels like there should have been a moment in the fight that should have been preceded with each perfectly countering and parrying yes. the other's moves yeah. because they know who they are. They are the same person. They know what they will do, but we yeah. do not get that. No. It's not as anticlimactic as Return of Chaotix was, but it is unbalanced. Yeah, they really should have had the cliffhanger be that they're about to fight each other and this whole issue story be the fight. because The throwdown. Because yeah. apart from anything else, I mean, by the way, first two pages, perfectly good. I love the thing yeah, yeah. about Sonic running so fast oh, that yeah. it, it pulls all the arrows that the Amy Badnik fire into his slipstream and then he can turn it back against her to break Amy That's out. Love beautiful it. stuff. That's great. A1 Sonic feats of speed yeah. action writing. That's great. Yes, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. The problem is that after two pages of that, Brutus and Robotnik just appear in the story and everyone goes, oh, yeah. what's going on there? Oh, they're fighting. And it, it comes out of nowhere. If it had been the cliffhanger, it would have been better in that regard as well. Yeah, it's like I was never worried Johnny and Amy were going to get freed. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, I knew that Robotnik wasn't going to get killed or anything, but it's like, we've seen Sonic's friends become Badniks before. We had RoboFox and stuff like that before, you know? That may be the strongest argument you presented me so far for this needing to have been a main Sonic strip. Because I feel like in that strip, you're allowed more peril. Like, when we saw Super Sonic about to kill Amy, we did know that he probably wouldn't kill her, but it was still yeah. peril. It was still something we took seriously. Whereas this is just a Sonic's world. So, no, of course, yeah. Amy and Johnny aren't going to be bad next from now on. It's just Sonic's world. No, I mean, in simple terms of page count. Two extra pages would be all you need to polish this off just nicely. Mm. You know, two more pages of Robotnik and Brutus fighting where they perfectly parry blows and a little bit more space on the page is afforded to the dramatic end of Brutus, mm -hmm. whose dying words are arg for freezing stuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. <sighs> but there's another way of looking at it, which is that Robotnik punches Brutus into shards on that page. That is very cool, yeah. but... It, again, the moment doesn't feel like it's given enough space. You know, yeah. that should be the big panel of the page where Brutus is smashed to bits yeah. forever. You know, there's just, just there's just no need for this. There's, there's, there's frankly no need at all for this final panel on the fourth page here where no. Amy, Shortfuse and Sonic stand around and go, that's the end of Brutus. And Shortfuse is like, yeah, but I wish I'd taken him down. And Sonic's like, too bad, Robotnik's still around. You know, it's just no need. You know, take that out move things around a bit just give a nice big page nice big panel over to brutus actually being smashed have him squeak out some killer final line while he's frozen solid as well yeah yeah one sick final line like yeah something he starts then, saying don't even take the opportunity to have robotnik say something like revenge is a dish best served cold badnik or anything like that mm. you know nothing like that at all but as you say like the way the story plays it brutus says 
you programmed me with a copy of your mind. I am your equal. And Robotnik says, that may have been the case at the time I programmed you, but since then I've acquired a few new tricks. And he sprays him with a freezing liquid. And I'm like, well, in what sense is that a new trick? Yeah, that's just freezing somebody. Yeah, maybe if the story had had more space to breathe, you could have played with the idea that this suit was something he invented. And that's probably the intention, is that this suit was something he invented after he created Brutus. Yes. And therefore Brutus does not know the capacity capacities and capabilities of the suit wouldn't it be cool if what it is is that the suit can do martial arts <laughs> Bruce is just not ready for that well yeah but even something like that yeah where, the, where like the suit is able to give Robotnik a certain physical ability yeah a sort of pre-programmed thing that it doesn't rely on his mind it's an automated process and that's what allows him to overcome Brutus or something like that you know yeah rather than literally just having a freeze ray in his wrist yeah yeah it's uh it's I don't want to say it, but it is kind of a disappointing end to the Brutus trilogy. For something as good as Brutus has been. And he's been so good, like. I mean, it's a perfectly ordinary bog-standard end to a bog-standard Sonic's world. Yeah. But this deserved to be more than that. It deserved to be more than it wound up being. And I think editorial is actually where the finger needs to be pointed, blame-wise here. Yeah. The ones who made this story be... A Sonic's world instead of giving Stringer four issues of Sonic to play. I mean, how long has it been since Stringer did Sonic? Hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know when he'll next get his chance to really flex his dramatic action story chops the way he did with Project Brutus. Yeah. He, I mean, he tries his hardest to get as much as he can into the five pages. And I wouldn't for all the world lose this brilliant final page. Oh, God. Yeah. Love this final page. So the way this this final page works, it's a six-panel grid. And in every panel, it's Robotnik's face on a TV screen. And it's the same broadcast going out around Mobius. And it's a few days after Brutus has been defeated. And we see different TV screens, always in the bottom left corner of the panel. The same broadcast, the same pictures of Robotnik playing. But we see where these screens are in different locations all around the planet. A different location in every panel. And we see other characters and other people around Mobius reacting to this broadcast that Robotnik is sending out. We see Tails in the Carnival Night Zone, which is where we know Tails was hanging out in the last issue or two. We see a Short Fuse flying through the Stone Tower Zone. Remember the Stone Tower Zone from Mechanic? Oh, is that what it is? Yes, of course. Yeah. Huh. Citizens of Mobius, heed my words. The so-called revolution is over. I am still your master. Over the last few months... I have been foolish enough to share my power with another. I have now rectified that mistake. Commander Brutus is no longer with us. Using my genius, I have gained access to his frequencies and taken control of any badniks who were loyal to him. However, there are still outlaws who dare to defy me. Any citizen kept helping these criminals will be punished! And then Short Fuse flies by, going, You're the biggest criminal on this planet, creep. The recent battle has been a learning experience. You have all learned to fear me even more, <laughs> for you know I am invincible. And I have learned never to trust anyone with my responsibilities. I will rule this planet. Mobius is mine forever! Never say forever, Bone Dome. The 
and yeah read the end caption and everything next issue megadroid on the move Whee! yeah no that is it's a great mm. final panel that is a greater moment of gravitas mm. than the final battle honestly oh and yeah that's a shame you know by far and just because of the equal panels the six panel grid yeah it, it demands to be read seriously it's like yeah. take me seriously there's something about it that just makes it inherently more dramatic in a way that you don't expect out of a, a kid's comic. Yeah, there's no, you know, the closest thing there is to a joke here is Short yeah. saying you're the biggest criminal. Robotnik is yeah. not making any egg puns. He is not saying anything <laughs> flippantly. It is a full-on scary fascist dictator broadcast. Yeah, and he has won. Yeah. It's fascinating how much of this comic series is about the bad guy having won. And the idea of him doing this big broadcast feeds so much back into Stringer's recent, yeah. you know, run of stories about Robotnik like reaffirming his hold on the planet and mm. his new stepped up campaign of terror. Yeah, it does feel as if this is coordinated between Nigel and Lou, doesn't it? All of this to lead up to a hundred. Maybe. Maybe, right? It... Actually though, that next issue box is wicked. Like, that's actually really exciting when you actually read no, it. Yeah, Megadroid's on the move, yeah. It's Megadroid, yeah. yeah. It's gonna be weird. Wait a minute. Next yeah, I sort of said it there without thinking. Yeah, wait a minute. Megadroid! <laughs> yeah, hang on. <laughs> but yes, sadly, a bit of a an undramatic end for Brutus after such good stuff having been done with the character. But, uh, yeah. A shame. A shame. Oh, I also like the bit where Amy finally kisses Sonic full on the mouth. But being Sonic, he can just move his mouth around on the side of his head. So it's <laughs> yeah, no, she's kissing him on the snout. <laughs> his mouth is away around the other side of his head. <laughs> he got it round there just in time. Spoilers. A common theme on the little titles SDC has given the letters mm. what, when, why. The first one, what, has been sent in by Ewan Hosey, Hose, oh, from yeah. Dunoon in Scotland. Dear Android. Android. Right. Bear with me on this one. Okay. The only thing wrong with your comic is that the letters and answers are too short. It's also about time something was done about Knuckles' skin. Um, At least diet. What? Lastly, do you remember when Forrest Gump said, Life is like a box of Mobian chocolates? Uh-huh. Anyway, it's <laughs> goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from the Mobian challenge. Uh-huh. What the f***? <laughs> I don't... I, okay, let's go through it. One. No, no, I refuse to go through it. <laughs> it's nonsense. Megadroid's response is, I could write you a long, detailed answer, but your letters left me speechless. Uh, yeah, yeah to, that, the correct answer there, really. Nonsense. Yeah. Knuckle... D what colour does he want Knuckles to be? Yeah, I do. Well, pink, obviously. Uh, well, yes, I suppose that is the correct answer. <laughs> what is up with Knuckles' skin? That is weird, yeah. What no. is it? Why did it change colour? Yeah. No. Clearly that's not it. What is he talking about? Don't know. Utter rot. If you're out there, Ewan. What? We, you know, we have had some people, one or two people, explain their nonsense <laughs> by getting in touch with us. Yeah. So, if you know an, a Ewan, E-W-E-N, yeah. Hosey, H-O-S-I-E, from who used to live or still lives in Danoon, Scotland, yeah. get on their case, get them on to us, and have them explain themselves. When? Dear Megadroid... Please could you tell me if there will be any more Sonic the Hedgehog games in the future? And that's from Gemma Guja of Torquay Devon, Mega Drive owner. And Mega Droid replies, you bet, Gemma. Not only does... So he's Here he is with the facts. Spitting the facts. Mm -hmm. Spitting hardcore facts and truths. Not only does Sonic strike back with Sonic 3D on the Mega Drive, 
That's the first mention of Sonic 3D, right? I think so! Just casually tossed out like that, right? Yeah, not the first time that important information is casually spat out in a reply to a letter without drawing any attention to itself at all. But he also makes his debut appearance on the Saturn with Sonic Extreme! Watch out for future (laughs) STC news reviews! It's a made-up tale. It's a total fabrication. It never happened. Of course it's just dawned on me, like, this letter is headed when because she wants to know when the Mm. games will be. The other one is why, because it's simply somebody asking a question. And, of course, the title they've given the nonsense one is... What? What? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that's really good. Yes, it is, actually. (laughs) The last letter, why, comes from Marco Sarek from West London, who wants to know why Megadroid never seems to get a day off from STC. Marco reckons that he seems to slave around the office all time answering letters. Mm. And Megadroid says, you know, you have a point, Marco. I'm fed up being treated like a Megadreg and have decided to take your advice. See what I get up to in STC's next issue, when all will be revealed. (laughs) Again, a piece of Megadroid art there to set the whole thing off from Alec Vaughan from Chessington in Surrey. It's a, he's mostly coloured pink here, and they've gone with tickled pink with getting his own story next issue, says the caption. If you hadn't put all the pieces together yet, folks, that's right. It's time for the second ever, and probably last ever, Megadroid Strip. Brilliant. Cannot wait for that. Will it be as good as the last one? And uh, Alec Vaughan has handwritten the words Mega and Droid all over the background of this. Obviously doesn't have one of those Crayola stampers of the word Mega Droid. <laughs> no. Sadly, so I had to do that by hand. Um, the last of the two pictures is a photo Jessica Brown on the Isle of Wight has done a sand Sonic, and it's it's real good. It's a, a you yeah. know a three D what what do I mean relief a sand sculpture yes <laughs> of Sonic hands on hips doing a grin and then of course the boomer alert that from STC eighty three the new Speedlines prize will be Sonic and Knuckles Hogtag. So goodbye to the uh, disposable camera. That's been disposed. For as long as it was around. I don't even remember when it came in. It always had the air of being a fill-in prize. Mm. You know, they, they were specifically advertised as the prize for the photo zone. Yeah. And there weren't very many photo zones. <laughs> and they obviously just got rid of the cameras by giving them away in speed lines. Yeah. Next issue! Megadroid takes a circuit break. Hey. A complete story with a lovely little oh, illustration yeah. here. It's a panel of Hell the strip, yeah. and it's a lovely cartoony little thing of Megadroid standing on the deck of a ship, like with his arms up on the railing, looking out over the moonlit ocean. Looks great, doesn't he? Yeah, I wonder. I'm, I did no memory of this at all. Look forward to it. Yeah. Plus, there's a complete Sonic story, Bubble Trouble. Knuckles, Troubled Waters. A complete tale story titled Mystery Villain. Plus, reviews revisited, Sonic 2, and Sonic and Knuckles. Reviews revisited? Oh, boy. We're going to get a Sonic 2 review zone? Yeah, this is the slow death at the review zone now. Uh. But they do have an Olympic graphic zone. Mm. And a Q zone. And that's all in STC 83 on sale Wednesday, the 24th of July, 1996. £1.20. And just as we close this issue, on the back cover, we didn't mention it before, but there is an advert for the Sonic Holiday Special. New power-packed stories, a racy Sonic interview, the secrets of how to draw Sonic. Plus, win a Sega Saturn, hot pinups, and much more. On sale now, price £2.10. Don't spend summer without it. Oh, look, and they've made a little Sonic Holiday special logo there yeah, in the corner. a logo there. Oh, they don't, I don't recall them using that in the actual special. No, <laughs> not in the actual special, no. 
So when you're looking for that special bonus episode or our next episode or any of the other stuff we get up to, you can find that on our website, which has recently had a very attractive new facelift. That's at stctp.wigglehe.com. Or you can try our nifty new URL, stctp.zone. Or you can find it most places good podcasts are available as well. You can follow the podcast over on Twitter. It's at Sonic Podcast. Or you can follow us separately. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. I am at Chris McFeely, and we're both on YouTube under those names as well. You can support the podcast if you go to patreon.com slash stctp, where a donation of any amount will get you access to our bonus videos looking at the Martin Adams novels and... Look, I can't do the mock outrage thing anymore. Dave's reading me a really bad old yeah. fanfic, and I've said several times at this point, "Oh, it's nearly over. Oh, it yeah. might be over yeah. by the time you hear you this." You get it's very hopeful. Gonna I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna be free. It's no. never gonna be over. Just, no. just come suffer with me, okay? <laughs> don't leave. Don't leave me alone. Don't leave me alone like this. <laughs> Our opening theme was called "Synchronize," and it's by Sonic the Comic, the band. You can find them at SonicTheComic.bandcamp.com. But we have been Sonic the Comic, the podcast. We will see you next time. This is what cracks Nana up. Okay, you ready? Goes like this. Goes like this. <laughs> <laughs> All it is, is you just gently, but the, what you do is it's a look of surprise but without any emphasis or any heart in it. So you just open your mouth a little bit and raise your eyebrows a little bit. <laughs> and I think it was just the irony of it that made Nana laugh so much. There's the illustration, Chris. <laughs> I'm sure you'll agree. Okay. Precisely what I just did. Yes. Spot on. <laughs>